Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Bonjour. Hell yeah. Good morning, podcast world. Chris and Kyle and Josh, the first ever returning guest on the podcast. Yeah. Chris Chris made you feel like you weren't special the first time because you weren't the first guest, but you are the first repeat guest, so just don't just don't just don't ask me about any of my other guests. You don't you don't you don't want to know. I know all your other guests. I listen to the podcast, fool. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we should have more guests on. I think it's fun. It is fun. We should have more guests on. Yeah. I think I think I I need to hear one more Kyle solo podcast about Israeli Israel Palestine. All right, I'll do a sequel to that one. (laughs) I need a sequel to that one. Did you, Josh? Did you ever listen to the the one that Kyle and I recommended? Uh, What was it again? Martyr Maid? Was it Martyr Maid? Yeah, Martyr Maid. Fear and Loathing. I did. I did. I I went back and listened to a few, but the one that the one that I liked the best actually was a which doesn't happen. I usually like you guys together better, but you did a solo one. I think I'm pretty sure it was a solo Mm -hmm. one. And it was uh, uh, a debate. You broke down a debate between Jordan Peterson and uh, some other preacher dude. Or oh something. yeah, Michael yeah. Eric Dyson. Oh, yeah, that you was a tore good one. that dude to pieces, bro. <laughs> oh my god! You, you, I mean, I, I mean, this dismantled him. Yeah, <laughs> I was so proud of you, bro. That's all no, I appreciate that. No, I actually really liked doing that episode. And the thing, the thing that made that one so interesting is like, I talk about it uh, at the beginning that I took a class in college called Logic that that taught you how to analyze people's claims, and uh, I didn't remember all that stuff like from college. It's been a long time, so I went online, I brushed up on it for like five minutes, and that's all I needed. That's all I needed to demolish that guy. Yeah, and demolish. I, you know, I, and I was and I was trying to a little bit. I was trying to a little bit. You know, like it's no, it's no. Surprise to anybody who listens to this podcast. I'm probably going to stick up for Jordan Peterson in an argument. And, uh, you know, it's not that that, that uh, Michael Eric Dyson guy didn't have anything to say, but the, the way he went about it was all wrong. And I didn't like it, man. I didn't like it. Somebody, he had pretty close to nothing to say. Pr- I mean, pretty close to nothing to say. Holy oh, shit. he had nothing to, nothing to say. I mean, when you pointed out each individual thing, like I loved how you – started it out with this is what this means this is what this means yep. this is what this means now pay attention because they're all three gonna happen <laughs> and then, i don't know if you pointed them out as they happen i don't remember if you did that or not but 
yeah. I remember like bells going off in my head, like ding, he's doing it, ding, he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was a podcast that I was supposed to be here for, but I was sick. That oh, fucking sucked. That's correct. That was a good one. I enjoyed that podcast as well. Was that when you get when you got COVID? Yeah, that, that was <laughs> Kyle was supposed to do that podcast. He was sick with COVID. He had given COVID to me. I didn't know yet. So, because so, you know, there's a couple, there's a lag, right? Uh-huh. So Kyle got sick and then had to bail on that episode. And can you imagine, Josh, if Kyle and I were both doing that episode, how much more shit Kyle would have had to add? To- <laughs> I that much better. It would have been a, it would have been a longer podcast, probably. It, sure. it wouldn't have been the same episode, that's for sure. Yeah. There are a couple of these episodes that you have done that it's like, I'm glad I wasn't on that one because that would have been like a six hour podcast. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes I like to monologue. You yeah. Know? Some, sometimes I like to tap into my inner fucking who does monologues. Does Bill Maher do monologues? They all do monologues. Uh-huh. They all start out with a monologue. All the late night guys. Josh, what do you think of Bill Maher? Are you, you hearing anything? Uh, I don't I assume you don't f- watch Bill Maher or follow him, but have you, have you been hearing any of the stuff that's been in the news lately? Uh, I've I have watched the Real Time Show, yep, on HBO. Um, <clears throat> it just seems like a. I don't know if I agree with everything he says, but wh- I don't know what's going on recently with him now. Well, it's just that he's you know Bill Maher is like known for being a super liberal guy, super progressive, super li- and very smart, you know, but super duper partisan, super duper one sided, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently, he's been saying negative things about about the left and uh, you know about the uh, censorship and about you know um, just just the way the left is going too far um, and he's been pointing it out publicly and it's coming from their own it's coming from one that's like deep inside that group and it's weird well, I, I think that gives him more credibility not less it does yeah it's cool to see it's cool to see yeah I've always liked Bill well you know to, to a certain degree I've always liked Bill Maher I've said this before on the podcast he just uh he is a liberal, but he's also a liberal who will like tell people to go fuck themselves, which you know. Oh yeah, because yeah, he's a because isn't he a comedian yep. too? Yeah. Or used to be. Yep. yep. Yeah, so he's always got that go fuck yourself and waiting to come out. It's chambered at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Like most comedians do. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know, man. A lot of comedians like anymore. You got a bunch of the the liberal that influence has made its way in there and you get comics who are offended by things and it just doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. No, that's super sad. uh, You know what bothers me? People that get offended. Yeah. God damn it. That sucks. Why, why do you, why are you so fragile? Yes. You're offended by such things like, Oh, dude, such a world. Yes. Uh Yes. I want to grab onto that because that's, that's a great, that's a great thing to talk about. When we were growing up, and it wasn't even that long ago, when we were growing up, developing thick skin was part of growing up. You couldn't be sensitive. You had to be tough enough to deal with the slings and arrows of words, you know? Yeah. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's what we said. Even more than words. You had to be thick enough to, to, to take all the all the bullying, uh, That's true. verbal bullying, and you had to be thick enough to get punched and, and punched. That's true. You know? That's true. And we and when we were growing up, that was a good thing, you know. My my, my our dad taught us, you know, some things, and and one of those things is contend with the world. You got to stand on your own two feet. You got to contend with the world, and we don't teach our kids to do that anymore. And you're right, man. 
everybody's so sensitive that they can't be offended. They're not, it's, we're not, they're not allowed to be offended anymore, not even in jest, not even in, in a joke. I mean, that is a dangerous, slippery slope. And I don't know how it happened. And, and it's like I said, it's not been that, that long ago. Uh, but I guess it has. I guess we're fucking old and the world has changed and they're leaving us behind. The God first time damn. you said it, yeah, it was like, uh, we're fucking older than you think. It's weird to become the old man that looks that looks at the society and how it's changed and the way the way that we compare it to the way we grew up and you're just like these fucking kids and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. To take offense to some to to somebody else's viewpoint shows how weak you are mentally. Yes. For sure. Don't, does that make sense? Yep. One hundred percent. Okay. I mean if if you're gonna take offense and be and your little pussy hurts because I done said some shit. Whatever it was about, you know, religion or race or whatever people get upset about nowadays. Yep. And and you're like inside your feelings about it. You are a pussy, dude. Like, oh my god. Yeah, for That's sure. All I, I mean, I think if you're getting offended by memes and jokes and shit like that, you don't have what it takes to make a difference. Mm-hmm. In you know because. Sh- you know, there's that saying uh, about the sausage being made. Like, you know, bad stuff has to happen sometimes, you know? Bad stuff yeah. bad stuff does have to happen sometimes. It's unavoidable. So uh, while you guys were talking, I, I was uh, this thought popped in my head. Like, the way it was when we were kids, I was, try- I was imagining, like, New York City. And, like, the, you know, like, this is just from TV and movies because, you know, You'll, you'll, you'll know when I start explaining this to you. It's like the construction worker on the corner, catcalling at the at the women as they walk by, yeah. and it's like a Puerto Rican guy and an Italian guy and a Jew, and they're and they're cursing and they're you know, uh, but it's like with a New York with a New York accent over the top, you know, forget about it, that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, that 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 New York City doesn't exist anymore. And what's that? And in and in the place where. This liberal capital of, the, of America, New York City, that's the place that that has the harshest uh, treatment of that type of that type of PC shit. I mean, New York City are, is the worst at censorship. They're the worst at the racism stuff. They're the worst. You know, uh, it's the capital. It's the capital of liberal America, and that that's the place that used to be raw, and we appreciated that it was raw. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's yeah, where it used to be the callus of America. Yeah. Now it's like the fucking, now it's fucking pressure yeah. point, the pussy of America. Yeah, man. It's the, it's the, it's the middle class pre, uh, you know, preschool of America where, uh, where everybody's treated like, like children now. It's unbelievable. And when we were kids, if you were, if you lived, if you grew up in Brooklyn, you were tough, man, you were tough. There's nobody tougher. Well, I mean, listen, all this gentrification and stuff that's been happening in New York for the last 50 to 20 years has been the reason that it's not the same. But I promise you, if you go to certain areas, it's still it's still like that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm There's sure. parts of Queens and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the Bronx and Brooklyn have been gentrified to the point where it's like... I mean, you see people walking poodles with, with T-shirts on and shit. Like, it's... Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's there's places that are still 1970 still, bro. Still running numbers. Still, you know what I'm saying? Selling heroin out of the bodegas. Still, all that shit's still going on, bro. Shit is still falling off the trucks in some parts of New York. I oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, 
I spent very little time in New York, very little time. Yeah. But when I was there, I remember the guy, so we had a car service, right? So we, it wasn't a cab, it was a car service. It was a little bit fancier. In New York, he got options. So we had a, a, <coughs> pri- a private driver and a nice, like, you know, escalator or something driving us around. It was for work. So, you know, I'm, I'm not bawling to that level mm-hmm. for work. But he was pointing out to us, because he knew that at least most of us had never been there before, he was pointing out to us all the stuff that you wouldn't know unless you were from New York, and it was interesting. It was like, uh, you see that guy there? He's the runner. He's the lookout. He, you know, yeah. he's, he, awesome. he's like, every, and everybody knows. Yeah. In New York, everybody knows. You see that guy standing on the corner? He's, there's half a block away is a lady selling knockoff coach purses. Upstairs, you got to go through the alley. You got to go upstairs. She's going to hand you the purse from the door. That kind of shit. The guy on the corner is the lookout for the the Asian woman selling selling knockoff purses. You know, down the road. He he also told me something that I that I never could understand, which was blew my mind. When you're driving through New York and you see the buildings with the spray paint, you know, tags spray paint all over the the, the buildings, you'll notice that there's tags and there's no fire escapes. You're like, what in the hell? This four stories up, there's a tag on the side of a, of a brick building with no windows and no stairs and no fire escapes. So how do they get Spider-Man. the tag up there is what Oh, is? yeah. I'm like, how in the fuck? And the guy driving the car looks at, looks at me through the rearview mirror, and he's like, those motherfuckers go to the roof, and they hang yeah, off. They hang, from, yep, they hang yep. off the roof. Yeah. I was like, oh, my. So I learned, some, I learned some shit when I was in New York, and I'm sure there's a lot more to learn, but... It, it would have been a mystery to me if I was a tourist without that guy, without yeah. that driver. That's pretty cool. One time when I was a yeah, kid. Your... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say one time when I was a kid, this dude that I knew owned an art gallery and some graffiti artist from Chicago came and put on like a, uh, you know, an exhibit at his art gallery. They painted like skateboard decks and shit like that. It was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. But they left at one point and they were like, we're going to go. Yeah, they were going to go, like, hang off the side of a bridge and tag a bridge in Cleveland. Mm. Shit's crazy. What were you going to say, Josh, before Kyle before Kyle interrupted? <laughs> oh, no, I was uh, going to say I watched a, sh- a show on Vice called Fuck, That's Delicious. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've seen stuff. it with the, with the, uh, with the, the Asian Actor guy, right? Bronson. No, that's uh, Wong's World. <laughs> okay, go ahead. This is called Fuck That's Delicious. It's uh, this big fat white rapper dude named Action Bronson. Okay. He's pretty good. I mean, if you're a rap guy, he's I think he's he's pretty good. Um, and another rap guy named Mayhem Loren, and then somebody you might be familiar with, uh, the Alchemist. Mm-mm. But that's an awesome Eminem's name. DJ. I've heard the name. Oh no, man! Eminem's DJ, white dude, skinny, little, oh, okay. whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> they all in this other white big white thugged out in Brooklyn dude called uh, body but anyway they walk around and eat and they talk about each culture and and they, and the places they I mean they, they will go uptown and they will go to the gentrified area you know to talk to, to eat the food or whatever but they pretty much stay in the hood parts and some like I noticed a lot of that same thing watching that show like like mayhem would say something like to action or something like it'd be like you know check out it's like we just you know we're out here working the curb because you know like actually come out of the restaurant with a bunch of food and, and they're both posted up on the curb right like what are you guys doing goes, we're working the curb and he goes well we working the curb we got this food to eat he goes well i mean there's a runner over here you got two lookouts he goes that's the shooter right there so keep your eye on them like how do they i mean how do they how do they, how do they know this though 
because you just gotta live there. Yeah, like, exactly. You be in that temperature. You ha- yeah, exactly, man. If you if you live there and you're in that ecosystem and you're and you're in that environment, that shit becomes second nature to you. You know, you know what to expect. That's the thing, man. I didn't know what to expect, so it it was all it, it was it was chaos to me. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea. I was like a man in a foreign country. <laughs> Serious, yeah. And I did not like it. I don't want to go back ever. I don't think. <laughs> Only New York I've been to is Buffalo, which is a lot like fucking Cleveland. So oh, yeah. So th- then there's this thing, Josh. I want to ask you. Don't let me forget because I want to ask you about the skateboard scene that you participated in in the early days. Yeah. In the early yeah. days, you skateboarded. That's the thing. Fuck yeah, I skateboarded. Dude, I did I not know skate. that. Dude, I used to drop in eighteen foot half pipes and shit at Sunsports in the indoor skateboard. skateboard That's crazy, dude. Off. I had I had had no idea that you did that. Yeah, I was a little better street skater than I was vert, but I, I, I tried vert a lot, but I was heavy, so um, I never did get a lot of air. I couldn't do a lot of air. <laughs> so, hold on. I want to tell you what I what I remember about this, and, and then I want to hear more, because this is the thing, man. The, the, the generation that Kyle and I grew up in was there was a resurgence of skateboarding at the time. The, the era of skateboarding that you were doing was a different, it was a different era it kind of died and came back and that that was like in the it was like in the late 90s early 2000s when the X Games first came out and Tony Hawk and the you know the Tony Hawk Pro Skater on the PlayStation came out it was a big deal but it was a different time when Josh was doing it so this is what i remember i don't remember seeing many people skateboarding like on the street you know like you might see kids doing today i don't i don't remember at the time i wasn't paying attention but i don't remember seeing a lot of it what i do remember was exactly what you brought up it was an indoor skate park. The front of it was a skate shop, and it looked like it was, to my memory, it was exclusively skateboards, like decks and trucks and and wheels. I don't remember seeing bearings and grip tape and yep. clothing and pads. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing like rollerblades or bikes. It was just it seemed like it was just. Oh skateboards. no, bladers were not welcome in the <laughs> skateboard scene. Bladers are shunned upon. Fruit boots. They still are. They still are. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what I did for the audience's benefit. I, I, I was this, I was a rollerblader. <laughs> in any case, that's in any so case, I, this is what I remember. I remember dropping you off, like being in the car. We would drop you off there, and I, I sort of remember going in and seeing that little front spot where you know, like where you could buy stuff. But it was like a door you had to go through to get to where the uh, ramps were. And I don't, mm-hmm. I, I was never allowed back there. I don't even remember ever seeing what was back there. I don't even know where this place is. I, I don't have no memory of this place. It was in Whitehall. All right, you know where to, um, well, we, no, we can't get specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, but if you can, if you feel free to, to, you know, to give them some help in pin, no pinpointing that. I don't need to know exactly important. where it is. It was close to Hamilton and Broad. Okay. Okay. All right. So so anyway, what was it like back behind those doors? Because that's a mystery to me, man. I, I don't I was never allowed to see back there. It was the fantasy factory, bro. Nice. Like uh, literally, have you ever seen Rob Derrick's fantasy factory? Mm, I, MTV? I have for sure. Okay, that's what it was. There was an eighteen foot half pipe. There was lots of mini ramps. There was a fake curbs and rails and stairs and nice uh, were, were there some seriously talented skaters there yes yeah yes, there was really? um, i mean any any anywhere skaters congregate there's always the standout guys mm-hmm. sure you know <clears throat> and uh and a place that a place like 
where we grew up. I mean, I, we're not even saying towns. Okay, whatever. Anyways, where we grew up. Oh, we, yeah, we can was, say, you can say towns. It doesn't matter. In Columbus, mm-hmm. right? There, there wasn't like a. I don't know of any pro skaters from Columbus. You know what I mean? No, me either. But that doesn't mean there wasn't some that could have been. Sure. That just didn't get a shot because I remember seeing some guys do some shit. That do you know what a manual is? Uh oh, it's a it's a particular trick. Um, I can't remember. I can't. Isn't remember. it like when you? Isn't it like a wheelie? It, well, it could be done in the, on the front. Yeah, yeah. Or the oh, back okay, wheel. okay, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's more or less a wheelie where you ride on just the front or just the back wheel. Yep. I seen a guy. I seen a guy. We were in the street skate part of the park where it was just like stairs and rails and curbs and <clears throat> and he come in off the vert side. He came off the half pipe through the middle of the half pipe, probably going ten miles an hour. Yeah. And he did like a, like a, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't think it was a 360, but it was like a, like a, I don't even know what you would call it, like a nollie kickflip. It's like where you, you ollie, you start the kickflip from the front instead yep. of the back. Yep. So it was like a nollie kickflip 180 to the, then he, then he hit the rail with just the back part of the skateboard yep. and the trucks being against the rail. Yep. And and then when he landed, he landed in a front manual and rode it to the other side of the park. Nice. That's incredible. <laughs> now, it's hard to envision all those tricks, but if you put that line together, that's a pro line. You don't see Rodriguez and, and Nigel Miller. You don't see none of these people out there doing shit like that. And I've seen that shit in Columbus back in the 90s. That's, that's interesting. So you, while you're describing that, I'm, in my brain what's happening is – a memory of Tony Hawk Pro Skater of this of this is playing in my head right now, and I'm seeing the points rack up because as soon as he <laughs> because as soon as you come off the trick in Tony Hawk, and instead of landing, you continue with a grind or you continue with a with a, ma- a manual or whatever whatever it is, yeah. the trick continues. So the point the point scores continue to multiply on on themselves. So that was a hell of a trick, man. It's also a hell of a soundtrack. Hell of a soundtrack. <laughs> I can tell you on that game. I had a line on just about every level where I could stay on the same line and keep going around it and around it and around it and around it and over. And And I'm talking about a trick that was, uh, uh, you know, 150 million points. One trick. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I don't care who you are in the world. You want some pro skater action, I will whoop you. I'm a monster. So, you know what, this, that's interesting. In the old days of video games, I don't want to get off, I still have more skating I want to talk about, but in the old days of video games, you could find the trick like that. And in fact, in the old days, like in the NES days, like if you imagine like Mike Tyson Punch-Out, the whole idea was to find out the trick. Every, every fighter had a different trick. You had to learn a different pattern. If you learn the pattern, you could basically win, you know, the game. Or if in Tony Hawk, if you can learn the pattern that lets you continue a trick continuously, you can get as many points as you want. It's like the trick no, that makes... No, 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 see, I don't... You know, I, I disagree. I okay. agree with those earlier video games. Yep. Like Mike, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. But with Pro Skater, it's not, it's not the way it worked. The variant of the trick would change every time. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah it was line, more, you're right. On it was more of an art, but figuring out the line—that—that's the trick that is basically the cheat. Once you figure that out, as long as you can keep the trick going, you're just—you know—you're ne- you're not going to lose. You're going to break, re- break break a record every time. Um, but now, but now, like in modern video games, do we still have that? Is that is that still a thing 
or is it like this? Uh, I mean, there's so much there's so much diversity in video games. It's hard to say, but like in the open world environment, you're playing an open world game. Um, you can't really learn a trick, to, you know, because there's so many different situations. You know what I mean? It, it just seems like the development of video games is starting to eliminate that pattern or make that pattern oh. recognition thing more and more difficult to, to where it's become impossible. Hmm. You know I, I mean? think it's extinct in, in new video games. Yeah. Because there's too much AI. There's too much too much that can happen and will happen. And uh, to, to find a pattern is impossible. I mean, it's extinct. I mean, I dare you to drop into a freaking Call of Duty and in a, in a death match with 15 other guys playing online and find a fucking rhythm that's going to you're going to win every time it's yeah. never going to happen that's interesting it's like you, you you increase the number of variables until it becomes like the real world it becomes so much so much more like the real world you can't calculate you, you can't possibly calculate everything so it becomes more like random chaos it's beautiful actually do you play video games josh uh, every time i mean i don't i don't have a system but it's like uh, muscle memory. I'm a beast, bro. I can go on any game. Do <laughs> uh, you think you'd be able to play like newer games and pick them up easily? I, I mean, I jumped up uh, when I was living uh, with my sister. Um, me and my nephew jumped on the Call of Duty, the yeah. newest version on Xbox Live. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was leveling up quick, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was, I was picking it up quick. So I, I would say yes. I would say you could put me on the new video game. If, and, but you have to give me a couple of days. It's not sure, like I'm a sure. savant. But if you give me 48 hours, I mean, I'd be hard to deal with probably. <laughs> you're, probably you're probably disciplined at it too, I bet. I'm not particularly good at video games. <laughs> yeah, I want to tell a video game story so bad it's off topic, but damn, it's funny. No, go ahead. My, my, Chris was always into the RPGs <laughs> when, when I was growing up. Now I never, I never fuck with them. I, they they were just not enough action. There wasn't enough going on. And uh, Chris was always more intellectual than obviously than I am. And uh, he he liked them though. And <laughs> he he had this little makeshift bedroom, and I'm sure you remember Kyle. <clears throat> and uh, uh, the, his electricity to that bedroom was ran to the switch in the bathroom. And he was on a run. I forget what game it was. I want to say it was like Zelda or fucking, I don't know. Sounds right. It, it, one it, of those listen, it happened, it happened more than once, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and I, dude, I did it to you on purpose before. And feel like oh, you son it. of a bitch. <laughs> Finish but, the story. Finish the story. Then we'll explain. All right. All right. Yeah. So, so we hear Chris down there, you know, making his noises and his, uh, whatever you want to call it, he's celebrating. He's doing well. He's sometimes he's not doing well, but he he's been down there for hours, obviously making progress and a lot of progress. Because somebody doesn't play video games for five, six hours unless they're you know getting something done. Oh yeah. And uh, and by itself, I mean it's before online. I mean you know what I mean. Yeah. So he's down there and he is just beating the concrete. He's just getting it done. And uh, I went to that bathroom. I forget if it was me. It, I don't think it was me. That's why it was so funny. Because everybody in the house knew it. It was a thing. I mean, there was a piece of tape on the switch for a while. Like, you know, don't, you know, that's going to cut Chris's power. Don't, don't turn the switch, switch or whatever. 
and I, I don't think it was me. I, I can't remember for life me who it was, but uh, we, I would that and during that time that sub basement area, whatever you want to call it, was like a living room. And Christopher's little makeshift bedroom was off to the side. And somebody went in there, and I mean, it was seven o'clock at night, and he had been at this since the morning. <laughs> and they went in there and took a piss, bro, and flipped that switch. <laughs> the sound that he made, bro, it was like the worst wounded animal that you've ever heard killed in the wild, bro. It, <laughs> it invoked laughter in me that I didn't know I could. I I, 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 la- I tried to laugh so hard, so fast that no sound came out, bro. I must pass out. Listen, I have it to- was the greatest shit, dude. And it, and and it was. And I know laughing at somebody else's, you know. Suffering is fucked up, but man, that was funny, dude. When that, oh god! When that suffering is based on a video game, it's not that bad. Listen, I oh, but hold on, wait, hold on. Let me pump the brakes for a second. I got a bunch of stuff I need to say about this, but I have to explain. I have, I have to explain. I got to put context because there's two things the audience needs to know. Thing number one is in these old role-playing games. That's what RPG means. Um, for the Nintendo Super Nintendo, mostly for the Super Nintendo and beyond, because then there was enough memory in the games that you could do some complicated shit. That what, that the strategy of the game is this: when you start off, you're very you're very weak, and you have you have to make progress in the game. This is anybody who plays video games today. This is this is going to sound like okay, you're explaining some super obvious shit right here. <laughs> but in the in the day, there was nothing like this. Uh, you remember the original Mario Brothers? That was fucking video games. And then all of a sudden, Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy come around, and you you start off with this character, and they're well, you're all, leaving out a lot, but I, I'm well, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but you you all it's, and they're always like fantasies. That's all. You're always like in a, it's a magical world. There's dragons and fucking you know it's it, that's what it is. It's like a you know the the medieval times with armors and shields and shit. Yeah. And, and when you start off, you're in this safe little kingdom, and you have to like go out into the dangerous world, and the world fucks you up. And the only way you can survive is if you spend a lot of time leveling up. What does this involve? This involves going around your your safe little village where you're where you can stay close enough that when you get beat up, you can go back to your safe spot and heal yourself and go back out there. But you're you're basically fighting guys that are weaker than you for an extended period of time. You're 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 grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and after a while, you're going to level up enough that you can go to the next place. And so h- half of the fun of the game is getting stronger and buying better weapons. And you have to you have to kill bad guys to get your experience points and to get your money so you can fucking get m- better shit. And that's half the game. Half the game is building up your, your person, picking and choosing the shit you want, getting him more powerful. And, and that took hours. So you were invested in it. It wasn't like... You you spent ten minutes playing trying to beat episode or uh, level four of Mario. I spent two hours just beating, just boring ass two hours of just grinding, doing horrible nonsense, just so I could go do the next exciting thing. You've always been a goddamn Jordan Peterson fan, man. <laughs> that is like a, that's like Jordan Peterson video games. So I, I got something I want I got something I want to say on that too. But so when when Josh describes the the light switch getting flipped and my room going dark. And my heart and my heart dropping out of my chest through through my butthole onto the floor. I felt like I I felt like the world the rug was pulled out from underneath 
everything I have built, everything <laughs> I have built. You know what I mean? And so uh, it was terrible. But he, but here's one thing that makes it worse. I was always partially responsible. What I mean is, you have to save the game. Yeah. Right. right. And and, yeah. and there there's moments when you it, sometimes it's it's not like you can just save whenever you want. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't. But there are opportunities where I should have taken a second and saved the motherfucking game. And then if Josh flips the power switch, that I only have to redo an hour and not four hours or 10 minutes and not, you know, half a day. So I would fuck off and just keep doing the work and not save the game because it, I had to take a second to do it and I wasn't ready. I just kept, you know what I mean? So I was partly responsible for my own uh, torment. Oh, yeah. And that makes it worse, you know? Somebody flipped the switch, and they fucking shouldn't have done it. But uh, but but I was always part partially guilty, and that made it worse for me. It's like fuck, and you did it to yourself. <laughs> I'm, I mean, the, the only the, what I remember most vividly is the sounds of of a dying walrus. <laughs> I mean, dude, it was it was. I think even Dad laughed hard. I mean, and, you know what I mean. And I, everybody was laughing. Because I mean, it just sounded like you were being, you know, oh, Chinese tortured. I was. Oh, dude, it was. Some, I mean, yeah, you were. <laughs> I was. Like, here's, like, here's the one other thing I want to add to this. So for, first for the audience, imagine the kid playing video games for half a day in 1995. Imagine the kid doing that, spending half a day. He was the fat kid. He, I was the fat kid. I was the nerd, and I was the fat kid. So... um I say that for a reason, because I, I didn't play sports, right? I, I didn't really ever play sports. When my but these are this is a choice because I was the fat kid, and I and I rode a skateboard and I'd be a man. You're right. I'd, you're you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. But but I'm but I'm but I'm making a different point. I'll make a different point, and it is that like my wife, if, as an example, she she played sports her whole life, so she had those instances where she had to uh, work hard to get better. She had to go out there and test herself against other people, and sometimes she failed. And when she failed, she had to go home and work harder and go back and try again until she didn't fail. So people who who are in sports, they have this pattern they have to go through where they fail, and they have to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and build themselves up. When you don't play sports in in the first world, in the United States of America, in a freaking middle-class neighborhood, you are not facing challenges. You are not facing um, adversity. You aren't having those situations. And if you don't play sports, you're, you're never practicing. But when Josh flipped the light switch and, and that was like me losing the football game. That was like me trying as hard as I could and then failing tremendously. And then having to, having to get the courage to put that game back on and start from scratch and put that, put those hours back in. So actually there's a way in which those experiences were good for me because I yeah, had, that's what I, I was gonna say. yeah, I had to learn that, that lesson that pe- a lot of people learn through sports that I didn't learn. Cause I was a fat kid, you know, seems. How do you put too much emphasis on the fat kid thing? Cause I was fatter than you, bro. And I was out there playing smear to queer and, and riding skateboards and, you know, dropping in on half pipes and you're can- BMX bikes and you're and, canceled, you know. Josh. You can't say smear the queer. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a big that, no, no. No, no. <laughs> no, no it's fucking. We all know what, you, but we know what I'm talking about. Uh, right? Well, listen. Of course we do, and that's an, another example of the oversensitivity. That's what we used to call this particular game. 
It was a, it was a, it was a, you know, school schoolyard football. Whoever's got the ball, tackle them. Tackle them as hard as you can. I mean, what does queer mean? Queer means different, and only one person has the ball. You're different than everyone else. Yep. There you go. I mean, I don't know. There you go. I don't even like explaining these things. (laughs) Who cares? So, all right. So now that we've did this little foray down video game alley, when I didn't want to, motherfucker. We were talking about skateboarding. Can we go back to skateboarding we for a second? Go back to skateboarding. Yeah. All right, Josh. Did you ever see a movie called Lords of Dogtown? I, a long time ago. Yeah, it's been a long time ago, but it was an awesome movie. Do you kind of remember vaguely? It, it was. It was. So this. I just. The reason I bring it up is because that movie, Lords of Dogtown, and another movie, a documentary that came out in the early two thousands called Ultimate X. Those were the own. The, those two movies constitute all of my knowledge about the history of skateboarding and extreme sports. So this is all I have to go on. And if you remember, the Lords of Dogtown was basically the late 70s in California, and all these surfers, um, they're, they're slowly converting to skateboarding so that they can surf when there aren't waves. They can surf on the roads. They can surf on the sidewalks. They can, they can surf in empty swimming pools. And that's, what, that's how skateboarding began the, the type of skateboarding that we think of when we think of skateboarding today, that's how it began. And the Lords of Dogtown tells that story, and it's a cool fucking story. The, but the reason I bring it up is that that was the late 70s when the skateboarding competitions were like, they were like, I mean, they, sh- they, they show them uh, in the beginning of that movie, they're like, they're, well, they're queer. Can I bring that word back up? It's like, um, it was like a kids, it was like for young kids, and it was like, you would compare it to something like interpretive dancing, what they were doing in those days. It's like somebody goes up there and they do some kind of beautiful figure eights with the skateboard and they, you know, they can do some things like that. That was what competition was like in the early days of skateboarding when it was like banana skateboards. They were terrible. And, the, and these kids in the 70s in California started doing some other shit. Yeah. And, and the, you know, then they started participating in those skateboarding competitions and they didn't even know how to how to judge what these new guys were doing. Heath Ledger was involved, if I remember correctly. Yes, Heath, Heath Ledger was in that movie. And uh, the guy from uh, what's that guy's what's that guy's name from the, uh, the new girl? See, uh, I didn't or the know. Girl, or the girl next door. The girl next door. I don't know. Zoe uh, Deschanel. No, Emile Hirsch. Emile Hirsch. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that movie and that that's the late 70s. That's in California. And you guys have to remember, culture, like, it starts in places like New York and California. It doesn't get to the Midwest for a while. So when something like skateboarding start, like, aggressive skateboarding comes out in the late 70s in California. Aggressive. I don't know how long it takes to get to Ohio. I have no idea. Yeah. But Josh was skateboarding in the early 90s. And I have to imagine from 79 in California to 1990 in Ohio... That, that that was pretty much brand new. Am, am I wrong, Josh? No, there were generations before me. There were older kids that were uh, that lived in the neighborhood that had been doing it for, you know, six or seven years before I picked up a skateboard. Gotcha. Uh, there, there was actually a kid on the corner that was older than everybody that used to be able to ride a skateboard faster than me and Ryan could ride our bikes. Whoa! And, yeah, we used to we used to race him, dude. He'd give us a head start. Whoa! And he'd fucking start stroking on that skateboard, dude. And, I mean, you could see the speed wobbles. I mean, people that don't skateboard might not understand what that means. If your skateboard's going real fast 
and and you get you get what we call speed wobble, and it's where it happens on motorcycles. It's like right right before you crash, you know, the, the speed wobble. Yes. <laughs> so this guy would skate through the wobbles, dude, and keep stroking. And he he could probably ride a skate. He could probably ride a skateboard thirty miles an hour. He was amazing. That's incredible. So so the, and so that guy would have been like the OG first generation, as far as you're concerned. There was nobody before that that class of skaters. In my area, yeah, he's definitely the OG. Yeah. So then, this is my next question: when you were when you were in the uh, indoor uh, vert place. Um, were there any like super young kids that were just killing it? Like super young kids, you know, you know how kids are. They pick up things so quick. Yeah. Did you, did you have those guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's always those guys. I mean, uh, lots of, uh, I don't know how close you follow skateboarding, but there's a lot of pro skaters that you could see. I, the reason why I never watched the skateboard movies much like Lords of Dogtown and all that stuff mm-hmm. is because I watched all those Spike Jones skate videos. So yeah, I don't know if that, you know who that is or that, not. Nope. Explain, please. That's news to me, man. All right, listen. Spike Jones made skateboard videos, and uh, it was just him on a skateboard following people on skateboards, filming them doing tricks. And he got famous doing it. He got famous to the point his cinematography style got so famous that the Beastie <laughs> Boys hired him to do the music video for Sabotage and uh, all these all these oh, early yeah. music videos where Spike Jones. And then, and then uh, he eventually got super famous and did movies. And uh, I mean, I can't believe you've never heard of the guy. Well, you know, that's the thing. It's like everything you're saying right now makes complete sense to me. And I remember those early skate videos. I don't remember watching them when I was when I was young, but I remember watching them from that documentary Ultimate X when they were showing the early days of skateboarding, and they showed those videos. And I'm like, okay, so everything you're saying is ringing a bell. I just did. I didn't know the guy's name. Remember that live action Where the Wild Things Are movie that came out? Yeah, that was Spike Jones. Oh, interesting, yeah. interesting. So he started off doing. Oh, so Kyle, you do know who Spike? Oh, Jones I know. Is. Yeah, I know who Spike Jones is. Yeah, he's like in. I mean, I know him from Jackass. Is where I first think I found out about him because he used to fuck around with the Jackass guys. Well, yeah, because all those jackass guys, half all, of them, yeah, Mark Jarrett was a pro skater. Yep. I mean, you know what I mean? You guys, don't, don't forget, half of them guys were, were either BMX professionals or or pro skaters. or Yep, yep. They weren't just jackasses. Yep. <laughs> they were jackasses, but they weren't only jackasses. So you, so you know how, like, um, how, like, just since, like, MMA got big, like, just since the UFC got big, you know, not even the early days, like, you know, when it was big, you can see, like, how different there's been eras you know we can look back over the last 20 years and we can see eras of fighters uh where the skills of the fighters at the time were top notch but then you compare them to somebody today and you're like you know a whole other level and so i I, i'm thinking about this in terms of skateboarding it's like you know like like josh is describing if there was basically nobody but a handful of the of this first generation of guys that had ever done it in ohio at that time and, and and you know he, he's getting in there uh, trying to get good. Even if you were athletic, even if you rode a, you know, a skateboard in, in like the old style before, even if you were kind of familiar with it, as, as an adult, even as a teenager, you only have so much getting better you can do. Yeah. And if you invented it, if you invented this new type of sport and you're, you're, you're 16 years old, well, guess what? It doesn't matter how good you get. There's an eight-year-old kid that's going to watch everything you're doing. And by the time he's 12, he's going to be better than you in every way. You're never, ever going to be able to touch him. Yeah, he's going to be doing stuff that you wouldn't even think was possible. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I asked Josh about if he remembers seeing young kids at the, at the skate park because there was this one kid at the skate park when I was growing up that would like, he was always, he was like, he never had a shirt on. He was always dirty. <laughs> you know, he, he, had, he had like his brother's skate shoes on that were two sizes too big. And he was awesome. And yeah. he, he, was always, he was always like hanging out with like all the like 17, 18 year old kids sitting smoking cigarettes. And there's like this eight year old kid coming up to their knees. It's hanging out with him. But he was awesome. And everybody loved him because he was so unexpected. It's like he, he found a place with a cool group. And he was this eight-year-old kid because he was so fearless and so good, you know. And when you start young, it's unbelievable what those kids can freaking do. Yeah. The only time, the only experience I have in skate parks is, like, they're all embarrassing. So I don't really, I don't have these uh, good memories about skate parks. Everybody has embarrassing memories of a skate park, bro. That's half of the fucking thing. That's half of it. Yes, it yeah, is. I just not. I never got good enough to have anything but embarrassing moments at the skate park. <laughs> so, what? Why, why don't you tell us then, Josh? The the worst time or two that you got you got hurt or got embarrassed at the skate park, and go. Oh my god! I don't even know where to start, dude. I I I struggled dropping on the half pipe, dude. That was like a. <laughs> Me too. That was that was my uh, that was my uh, Mount Everest uh, dropping in on that on that eighteen foot half pipe because I was young and, and heavy and 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 that's a long way down. Yes, it is. And, uh, hey, dude. and it and I wiped out for a year every day a hundred times trying to drop in, just trying to drop in. Yep. Not even do a trick, just stay on the board to the other side. And that's that's embarrassing, bro. That's real embarrassing when all the older kids are laughing at you and shit. But the thing about in sports or skating or anything else or video games, you gotta you gotta just do it again. You gotta you gotta have the drive to get up and do it again. Get up and do it again. Get up and do it again. Never get laughed off the court. Ever. Absolutely. Never allow that to happen. Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's such great advice, man. I have the exact yeah. the exact same story. Um, but remember, I was on rollerblades. And it wasn't 20 feet. And I still stood. I stood at the top of the half pipe. It was, I think it might have been, even been a quarter pipe. I stood at the top of it with a bunch of people who just sat there and dropped in and asked me politely for the first hour, you know, are you going? Can I go in front of you? And they, <laughs> I just stood there for like an hour and a half staring at the fucking half pipe, like I, trying to get the courage to drop in on it. But I want to explain this for people who don't skate or don't know. When Josh is just describing a half pipe, that's 18 feet tall. If you were standing on the platform at the top of that and you were looking straight down, it, it looks like a vertical drop. And I'm talking about almost 20 feet. Imagine standing on the roof of your house. If you have, if you yeah, have, if, yes. And you look down where you have to now, you have to now lean forward on four wheels on the skateboard and watch yourself roll almost vertically straight down. It's like you're falling on wheels. Am I wrong, Josh? No, you're not wrong. And I'll tell you what, when the whole key of it was, I would wreck and I would wipe out and I would crash and burn and I would repeat the process. And I would just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it until it was in my mind that you're, you know, you're going to crash, so try not to crash too bad. Yeah, yeah. And You know what I mean? So if my, my I was defeating myself is what was happening. Mm. And I remember an older skater telling me, he said, just imagine that you don't crash. And keep imagining that. And it didn't work for a while. 
but that's what ended up working. It ended up getting to the point where he said, you got to be, he said, you got to be to the point where you don't care if you crash or not. Once you get to that point, you'll probably do better. And it didn't happen right away, but I finally got to the point where I was like, fuck it, here it goes, let's crash. And I didn't, you know? That's beautiful. And it, it was like, I got to the I don't give a fuck point, and the visualization of making it were the two things that got me to be able to do it. And then after I could do it, that's when it really got crazy. That's when, uh, hold on, you know, hold on, wait, there. wait, wait, before you get into there, tell me about the, tell me about the way you felt the first time you didn't fall. Tell me about that way you felt that elation that you felt when you were like, fuck yeah. Dude, it was like winning the fucking Super Bowl. Were you surprised? Uh, were you surprised by yourself? Um, yeah, yeah, I was surprised. I, you know, I immediately started my celebration, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My screaming and throwing the board and, and dude, it was like, uh, it was such a, cause I skated with a lot of the same guys. I right. mean, um, it was a small area in town and mostly the same guys were every day. And uh, <clears throat> I remember like six or seven of these dudes that were happier than I was that I did. That. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's so awesome. It, so it was almost like a team celebration, like a like a Super Bowl victory. Yes, like, I mean, they didn't put me on their shoulders or anything, but you know what I mean. Like yes, like they all come down the pipe screaming, like crazy. it was like a, you know what I mean. It, it was it was a wonderful feeling. I don't know if I could find the proper words. Well, you know what, really, uh, jo uh, Jordan Peterson, he has a, d a description like this where he's where he's talking about when somebody displays something that's that's excellent. When somebody displays something that's uh, that was difficult if, and, and, and they succeed, that people can't help but feel like the way you're describing. And he, he, and the way Jordan Peterson described it, he's like, just imagine there's 110,000 people at a football game and somebody throws this impossible pass and the guy jumps up in the air and reaches out and by the tips of his fingers brings this impossible pass in. And without any without anybody telling them to, 120,000 people at the same time leap up from their seats and scream and cheer at the same time. It's like, what causes 125,000 people to at the same moment jump up and scream like an asshole and clap their hands? It's seeing somebody try to do something hard and succeed. Fucking Because everybody likes to see... Uh... What's the right word? Success is the right word. Um, everybody likes to see. Um, yeah, it's success. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to find it now. Uh, I think it is success, man. I think it is. What's a stronger word for that, though? Stronger word for success? Achievement. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, everybody likes to see, you know, progress. Some, huh? Progress. No, no. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to Well, listen, man. One. Everybody likes to see that, that, that moment of uh, excellence, per se, that you're not going to see every play. Or you're not going to do it every time. Or you're not going to – You know, every, everybody likes to see that. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in any situation, whether it's, you know, some awesome you did in a war in a, or a fight or on a skateboard or on a video game or on a – you know what I mean? Like everybody likes to see that. Do, do you remember that lady? Do you do you remember that lady? I can't remember who it was. She was a G Olympic gymnast, and she did that crazy routine, and she landed it, 
and uh, her leg was broken. She land she landed it. Oh and yeah, stuck I do it. remember that. And right after they like gave her her score, she like collapses. It's like from the nineties. Yeah, Olympics from the nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember that, Josh? No. Well, anyway, the point is, it's the same kind of thing that I experience if like, uh, like I'm watching my my children and they're like learning shit. Like right now, my oldest daughter is learning to read, and I'm telling you, man, I. I am so proud. You just see me smile because what I notice is like she's figuring out this puzzle, this 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 puzzle of language. She's like learning it, and it's like decoding a mystery for her. And when she's figuring it out, and she's realizing she can use it, she's like, "Oh, I'm going to write a letter to you know my cousin, or I'm going to write a letter to my teacher." And she's like, "You know, how do you spell this? How do you spell that?" Next thing I know, I've got a little a little uh, dry erase uh, magnet on the refrigerator, so you can put stuff for, like grocery list stuff. Next thing I know, she in her handwriting it says ice cream at the bottom. She's adding she's adding <laughs> stuff to the grocery list, and it's like, you know, as a father, you see that, and it's and it's there's not a better feeling in the world to see your child like figuring out the world, and it's like not an easy thing. Learning how to walk, learning how to talk, it's fucking a miraculous. And you watch them, and you're just like. I see you do this, and it makes me feel like I could fucking do anything. It's you're like inspiring me to think I can do something great, and that's what happened when you la- when you landed when you dropped in on that fucking half pipe, and your big and your big fat ass didn't fall, and you had that smile on your face, and everybody's cheering. That's what same things happening, man. It's a beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I uh, my my memories of those times. I, I um was way better on a bike, man. Than I ever was on a board. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, did you ever? You, you didn't do BMX from like you didn't you never you didn't do that right? You didn't drop in on a bike. Oh yeah. You did? What are you talking about? Fuck yeah. Oh man, that's a surprise. I mean, I, I knew you. I knew you. I mean, you always had cool bikes and you took them apart and all that kind of stuff. And I, I you know, that was cool. But I didn't realize you were also doing the vert ramps and shit with with a bike. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, dude. Uh, uh, and we had this. Uh, behind Walnut Ridge, behind uh, I mean, fuck it, Walnut Ridge. Um, there's a there's a old bike trail behind the Far East Rec Center. Um, now the drop in part, the entry point to the trail is twelve feet straight down, Damn. and you know most of the time it's muddy, <clears throat> but you got so much speed from just entering the trail that it, you know projected you through the first half of it and it was right along the water there's water just six feet to the left mm. um so i mean i seen ryan crash into the water and lose a bike he lost his bike bro in that current he almost <laughs> he almost drowned but uh now i did i used to that was the funnest times of my childhood was on a, a freestyle and on BMX bikes, man. I mean, just just cruising yeah. the neighborhood and you know jumping. No, no, just doing tricks, bro. Just doing you know doing doing endos and riding wheelies and <clears throat> just doing stoppies and variables and 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 you know bar spins and just. Did you, dude? I used to be able to ride a wheelie, spinning the handlebars with no hands. Did did and you just ever, ride it? Did you ever talk to my my buddy Brian? Because did you ever talk to him about this? You probably didn't, because you. But you, I mean, this, that, that's what he loved. I mean, when we were growing up, that's what that's all he ever did. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's, I never did. Talk that's a surprise, man. That's a surprise. I didn't know that. Well, by the time uh, by the time you you and your friends were 
you know, able to, you know, ride your bike far from home and start fucking around and doing tricks and shit, I was driving. So, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, in the, uh, that Columbus area skating, you know, group or crew or whatever, people who were going to the same place that you were, what was the racial makeup? Uh, the racial makeup. Were there any, were there, there were, any black guys? I doing don't it? remember. I don't remember any black skaters, man. Yeah. Uh, then not in Columbus that I can, I mean, at, at the skate park, there was, I think one or two, but, uh, they weren't very good and they were younger. So I didn't like hang out with them or anything, but as far as street skating, which I mostly did cause the, the skate park cost money and we didn't have a whole lot of that growing up. So, mm. um, even even the six dollars it cost to get in the park was sometimes out of the question. So I did mostly street skating, and uh, yeah, I mean just just if, I mean if you're asking the question, I'll answer. It was just white boys. It was just yeah. I mean yeah. even though it was a it was a very very diverse neighborhood, it's probably more black people than it was white people. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's just for some reason they didn't like skateboards. Well, yeah, I I just asked because there is, I mean. So there are black professional skateboarders. There are black people who, you know, but it is, uh, it's not as common in black culture, but I do feel like it's becoming more common. But I I, I think there's also been like kind of a, like a hip hop thing in skateboarding. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. It's like, um, I can't. When did that start? Because, because when I was. From the beginning. See, that's interesting because when I was a teenager and I was into this and it was at the height of like the popularity of the X Games at the, at the time, it was punk rock. Skate, yeah, skating yeah. and punk rock were tied, you know, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. That was my shit. But, but I mean. Well, I mean, I just got through telling you about Spike Jones went from being a skate director of skateboard videos to directing videos for the Beastie Boys uh, and Run DMC. Yeah, yeah. When I was in the skate park, they played music, and they never played rock music. Okay. You know, it was it was always it was always some kind of underground hip hop or sometimes well known hip hop. You know, first time I heard Vanilla Ice was at the skate park. <laughs> That's interesting. You, you know what it strikes me uh-huh. is like at the time, you know, rap in the '90s was it was countercultural. You know, it was it was beginning to be popular, like mm-hmm. it, like in the pop culture, I guess you can say, but it was countercultural. So punk rock's the same way. So it it doesn't surprise me at all that both of those types of music are associated with the, with skating. And both have been co-opted and made to be pop at this point too. True. Well, see though, I think it was you, Kyle. Wasn't it you that, uh, uh, was my brother's friend that was like big into that real heavy music. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I need you to check out something. Okay. For me, it, you know, write this down if you got to. But it's a it's a rapper named Vinny Paz. Oh, I think and he's I've from heard a group that. named Je- Jedi Mind Tricks. Okay, I've definitely yeah. heard of Jedi Mind Tricks before, but I've never heard their music. It it, it ignites the same chemicals in your brain that that headbanger shit does. It's right. heavy metal rap, dude. All right. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, I think you'd really enjoy it. I mean, I get into the mood where I'm going to listen to some hard shit. I, I always go to Vinny. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. So there's. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. No, I, I was just gonna say I don't listen to a whole lot of that like kind of heavy metal music anymore. Um, but uh, I'm just always looking for something new to listen to. So. 
Yeah, you should check it out. I, I think will. you'd be impressed. Vinny pa- Paz, 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 just P A Z, I think. Paz, Vinny Paz. Got it. So I'm I'm, in- I'm interested to check that one out. And but while you were describing that, uh, it brought something to my mind. Kyle will know what I mean. I don't know if you will, Josh, but you may want to look it up, or maybe not. But let me just explain to you. There's a, uh, you know, I'm not really hip to popular culture anymore, and I haven't been for a little while. It's kind of a surprise to me to to come to realize how hip-hop is so mainstream. It's yeah, it's dude. a surprise to me. It's the biggest music. I mean, as far as young people go, it's the biggest music. And that surprises me. Why was I, why was I saying that? Uh, why was I going down this road? Oh, it's because um, at the end of kind of the scene we grew up in, at the end, it's, it, it, you might say it's in its death rows now or maybe a renaissance now, but there's this... Uh, you know, type of punk rock that became like screamo music, a lot with a lot of screaming in it. So it's not metal, but it became that became really hard. And there was a band, um, you know, and I'm going to struggle to come up with it now. Um, that was like that. That started rapping in, in their music. Uh, do you know what? I, do you know what I mean? Um, no. Hold on. I'm glad I don't either. It, well, in any case, but listen, there's tons of there's tons of rock bands that have like hip hop influence. True. Like you tell me, you listen when you listen to Corn or Lincoln Park, oh, yeah. that there's not hip hop. Oh, for, for sure, a hundred percent. You know, you you tell me you don't listen. To, I mean, come on, and and, and that's not a bad thing. It's, no, I, no, I, I, I like those groups. And and another thing I wanted to add, just to throw in, there was some rock music being played in the skate park, but it was revolutionary, and it was only only because it was. N- not mainstream is why it was being played. Do you, can and can it was you remember like Nirvana? Oh, yeah, there we go. Like Nirvana, the first time I heard Nirvana was at the oh, table. Yep. Sweet. It, but, and I just recently, just recently heard a girl do a cover of "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah. Bro, I didn't know that there was real words to that song <laughs> until I heard it. Until I heard a girl singing it, and and to hear the real words, like that's a that's just deep, bro. That's that's a good that's a good ass track. Yeah, Kurt was a sad boy. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you watch the uh, documentary that was it was it Netflix or HBO? I can't remember. Did you watch that documentary, uh, Josh? The uh, the Kurt Cobain, uh, uh, the one that basically frames um, Courtney Love. Co- Courtney Love for the, for uh, yeah, because it was yeah. like it was like the cover up. It was like she, you know, the questions and there's some weird shit. There was some I, weird shit. Absolutely, she's a weird. I think she did that shit, bro. I wouldn't be surprised, man. Boy, it's I mean, a dark world it. we live in. You know, because she thought she was going to be a star too. You know, she she was a performer too. And oh, she was yeah. writing music. Yeah, and uh, he he blew up Ray from out and out from under her, and they were oh, a couple. Yeah. Blew her out. So of the imagine water. the jealousy, the heroin fueled jealousy of a crazy rock bitch. Oh yeah, like, come on, dude. <laughs> she it's, killed that dude. It's certainly in the it's in the realm of possibility. It's in the realm of possibility. Yeah, for sure. It's scary. She's, yeah, man. she's still making music? I don't think so. <laughs> no. All right, anyway. Hey, before I get lose this this uh, this thread, I was telling you about that band. It was like a, uh, you know, like a screamcore band. Sure. And started rapping. Yeah. And it's the guy that I, I, I actually hate the guy. If you, the fucking singer, um, I hate him. He's a douche. <laughs> but but there's a transition from the rock, from the screaming heavy rock to the rap. 
and back. And the transition is so good that it makes me forgive him for, for being a terrible human being. Yeah. Radke. Radke. Oh, Ronnie Radke. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I forgive him temporarily for being, for being terrible. Uh, that The way that just the transition between his guttural screaming and rapping. And it's yeah. not great rap, but it's not bad. It's not terrible. Yeah. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard that, but oh. it doesn't sound good to me. I don't like. Oh man! I can, not, all right, whatever. I, I play yeah, it. I, I can't. I can't. I can't find a, a, a merging point of those two things. That would that would sound pleasant. I do agree with you, Josh. That like bands like Corn definitely have some kind of a hip hop influence to them. You think of like the bass and shit like that. Mm. Um, and I do like that a lot. I think that when it's when it's done well, I, I, I think it's good. But I'm just not a huge fan of rap in general. I never really have been. I mean, I've got like some rap artists that I love, but for the most part, I just don't listen to a ton of it. You know, either do I. What and that might be hard for you guys to believe, but you know what it was for me was a certain era. Yep. And it was it was the wittiness of the words, the double yeah. entendres, the triple meanings of mm. sentences. Yep. That it, you know what I mean? It's it's the it's how clever it is that makes it so good. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some, there's some rappers that you probably never heard of that, you know, my top five is not probably, you know, Eminem's not on it. You feel me? Like, it's not like, uh, well, you're going to, you're going to need to give us your top five. Now you brought it up. Well, I'm trying to think of an order and Eminem's number six. I'm putting that down. (laughs) No, he's not even in the top 10, buddy. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Listen to some fabulous. Listen to some cannabis. Listen to some. Listen to some Jadakiss. Listen to some. Uh, some. Uh, 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 fabulous is the only one I've heard of. Man, if you listen to some of Fabulous mixtapes, some of his mixtapes are amazing. Listen to some Royster Five. Oh, okay, we're right. familiar with him <laughs> a little bit. Listen, 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 listen. The mixtape that changed my fucking life was called DJ Premier and Static Selector present Royster Five Nine. And if you listen to that mixtape, there's no denying how talented that dude is. And and he made my top five off of that fucking mixtape. Nice. And it might also be because, listen, a lot of rap music is as popular as, as it is because of the beat. Everybody can agree, right? You know, the beats that that really get you. Well, the best producers in the world, in order, are DJ Premier, Dr. Dre, and... uh, Timbaland. And RZA from Wu-Tang Clan. Damn it. RZA made all those beats, bro. The Wu-Tang Forever album, the Method Man album, every, every solo project from all the Wu-Tang members was all RZA beats, bro. And if you listen to some of those beats, they're 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 beautiful, bro. There's I mean they're you can't compare them with anything else. So, and DJ Premier's the best producer to ever live. And that mixtape I'm telling you about, the Royce five nine one, was all DJ Premier's hits that he made for various artists over the years, Jay Z, Nas, you know, whoever the fuck. They took those beats that Premier made and they let Royce go crazy on them. And 
because of the film familiarity, what's the word I'm like familiarity you of the it. beat. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Because I knew the beat, I was already bumping to it. And and then he's tearing these tracks apart better than the artists that originally made the songs. I mean, burying them, just dismantling them, like Chris did that preacher did. I mean, just <laughs> yeah, like I mean, ten levels better. Like, holy shit, how isn't this guy triple platinum? Like, what in the <laughs> fuck is wrong with the world? That, that's an that's an interesting thing. That does happen. So, so you know, my familiarity with Royster Five Nine it comes straight from Eminem, and you know, as soon as you bring it up, you know, in my head, I'm like. This is what happens when bad meets evil. <laughs> Hit the weed. That's like, like the, the only Royce to Five Nine song I know. Um, so I'm so I'm familiar to that level. I do I do appreciate him. But this is what I want you to know. I what I appreciate about rap music is exactly what you described. So you know I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of rap music, and I and my the stuff I like is limited basically to that era. It's limited basically to the to the late nineties and, and early two thousands, mid to late nineties, early two thousands, basically. Um, and it was basically all East coast artists. There was a few outliers like, you know, Snoop and Jerry and shit, but basically it was all about, you know, Jay-Z, Nas, the Wu-Tang clan. You know what I mean? Like it was all that East coast shit. It, they, they were just wittier. They, they were just more clever than anybody else. They didn't have as much swag as Snoop. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, to me, it wasn't about that. To well, me, it was about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to ask you um, because this is somebody that I appreciated. So I, I, I got to. All right. So when I said that I agreed with you about what I appreciate about rap is the people who um, have a big vocabulary and they know how to use it, especially when there's witty, when they're witty about it, especially when it takes you a second and you're like, ooh, you know what I mean? I appreciate that. Yeah. But I also appreciate people who can rap very fast especially when they do it well and some people come to mind like Buster Rhymes and Mystical come come to mind but I can't tell you because I'm not deep enough in it well I can't tell you what your thoughts are on those two rappers I'm particularly interested in your, what your thoughts are on Mystical or or where Mystical came from whether he, whether he falls in the East Coast family the West Coast family or you know from New Orleans okay what are your thoughts on Mystical very, what are your thoughts very, on this? You know, very talented for a human being to be able to fit that many words in, and I and I've heard like you know Eminem on his latest record do that, and it's that that shit impresses me because not not everybody can do that, not everybody can learn to do that. That that is to me, it's like a skill. It's like a fucking skill. Well, yeah, it is a skill because you got you got rappers like you know Chance and Amigos and all these people that stay in their lane and just do what they do, like Drake. You know what I'm saying? And they're just like fucking screen printed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. But there's also rappers that can do every style. They can mm. rap fast. They can rap slow. They can rap, rap rhythmic. They can, you know, tell a story. They can, you know what I mean? Like Nas or Jay-Z or Fabulous or, you know what I mean? So those are the rappers that I lean towards as, as to my favorite type. You know, I like them to be versatile. I like them to be able to do that, do everything, rap fast, rap slow. Because lots of times there's rappers that don't rap fast that are really good at rapping fast. You just wouldn't know because they just do a lot of rap. Yeah. Busy Bone's another <clears throat> one that comes to mind. Busy Bone. <laughs> <laughs> I was a Bone Thugs I was a, I was a Bone Thugs fan. Of I ain't course. Gonna lie. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, okay. I didn't grace the same elevator like some people I know. But 
You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's an interesting story. Well, listen. So listen, uh, it's not it's not the way Josh is making it out. I I never rode the elevator with Busybone. However, there's a tag of some kind on the elevator, and I, I one day I was in the elevator with a guy that like ran ran the building, and I asked him about it, and I I can't remember the details of the story, but he said that the upper upper level is one big open like penthouse that it used to be a recording studio, and that's where busy that's where uh, Bone Thugs recorded. And it was in the building where I worked for like a couple of years, you know. Uh, I'm surprised you remembered that story, Josh. Yeah, like elephant. I never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's sort of, you know, obliquely interesting. But uh, where were we? Talking about Busy Bone, Talk rappers. About, well, yeah, so I don't know, man. It's just those are the two things. It's, it's the people that are clever. And uh, have a big vocabulary, you know, that, that can use words skillfully. It's because there's an art to, to, there's such an art to tying those words together. And, um, you know, I was always impressed, like, you know, I was always impressed with people that had a large vocabulary who did it well. And I was impressed with people who could do it fast without mumbling. Because that seems skillful to me. It seems skillful to me. But the rest of it I wrote hey, well, off. Well, Chet, you ever heard a rapper named Cannabis? Oh, yeah, just from you. But, yeah. Well, he's got like three or four master's degrees. He speaks five languages. I think, he's done I think tours it, in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's I think Eminem would prefer that you call him Cannabitch. No, I, I understand. But, <laughs> I know, I'm just fucking know, her up, man. Can, can, uh, Eminem was just starting to, he was trying to start a beef with somebody he thought was just as good as him. People in the rap world were saying Eminem's sweet, but he ain't no cannabis. Yeah. Mm. Right? So that pissed him off. So that's why he was trying to go cannabis into a, you know, into this war or beef or whatever. And, you know, at the time that Eminem made that record, cannabis was overseas on tour. Mm. I mean, not on tour, like on a, uh, with the military. What branch? Do you know? I think he was a Marine. Damn. Oh, shit. So, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, this guy is, <clears throat> and, and he speaks a bunch of languages, dude, and fucking, and, and he's got all these college degrees. Talk about a vocabulary. And, and is if he, you want is to he, listen to a fucking he, rapper. And he's on your he's on your Mount Rushmore of rappers, cannabis. Mount Rushmore's only got four faces. Uh, um, I don't know if he's yeah. I would say yeah. He's up there, but he's he's a victim of being too good, which is possible in the world of rap. If you're too good, then then how do I explain this? Um, you have to be able to make radio friendly records mm-hmm. in order to succeed. At least that that used to be the case. Mm-hmm. And so you could get away with being really good as long as you had a really good hook and a really good beat. There's lots of guys that are so good, but they just don't have that that rhythmic quality of a bone thugs. They they can't mm-hmm. do a chorus and make it radio friendly and yeah. they can't you know what I mean? Like, and they just—they're a victim of being too good. Do you like, think Royce the Five Nine is too fucking good? Do you think the internet has changed that at all? Is like allowed people to to succeed even though they're not that kind of radio friendly rapper? I I think yes and no, but it's 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 the wrong way because I mean you're getting schmucks, <laughs> you're getting people famous like fucking amigos and shit. I mean you're getting you get you're getting these inter- people coming from the internet that you know, are trash to me, sure. but you know, but, but they had a hundred million likes on their fucking, you know, and so they get a deal. 
So that's uh, that's the thing. It's the sheeple. It's the sheeple effect because you got. You're right. It's the sheeple effect because you're you're basically you're pandering to the lowest common denominator and brings the quality of everything down. Yeah, inspiring art is not for the masses. I mean, kind of by by definition. Like you know? I haven't I haven't liked a new hip hop artist in twelve or fifteen years. Uh, okay, there's two exceptions to that. Go new ahead. rappers that I that I like and I feel I can hold their own with the best. Let's hear it. Kevin Gates and the baby. Oh, the baby. <laughs> so. I, I don't know. No, I don't I'm know either serious. of them. No, I, I, oh, I'm just laughing Kevin about the baby because uh, because of Chappelle's stand up. You watch that? No. You should. You should watch it. You oh, you watched it? So you know what I'm talking no, about with the baby? What you is, is it on like Netflix? Is it a new one or something? Yeah, it's on Netflix. I, I did oh, watch it. Yeah. 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 So the baby got into a little bit of trouble because he said some not so nice things about gay people. Um, oh yeah, and Dave Chappelle's like, "The baby killed a guy in a Walmart, and nobody cared about that." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, he, he literally you, did you kill know a the guy. Name of that stand-up? Um, yeah, it's, on Netflix it's called now? the Closer. The Closer. Yeah, it's good. Put it on the list. I'm, a, I'm actually queuing it right now, just so I don't forget. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I mean, people hype it up just like they do with Dave Chappelle in general, I think. I mean, I'm not talking shit on Dave Chappelle. He's obviously great. But people talk him up like he's, like, greatest all time, and I just, like, I think that might, might be a bit much. Ooh, I mean, shit. He is great. I'm not, I'm literally not shit-talking Dave Chappelle. I love Dave Chappelle, but I just feel like he's getting a lot of praise. Like, people are, like, really talking up Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I don't think he's, like, a top ten comedian either, but, uh... Uh, you guys are nuts. I, I agree with everything you said. You guys are nuts. I I think I think um, uh, what's the guy that um, uh, basically got removed <laughs> removed from the public eye? Louis. For, Louis. I think Louis and Dave Chappelle are my two favorite stand-ups. Yeah. Uh, Louis, and even just beyond his stand-up, uh, that guy cracks me the fuck up. I don't think Louis really did anything wrong, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know the details. So basically, he Neither asked he asked women. Okay, is it creepy? Is it like... You oh, know, I do know the story. <laughs> it's like he asked women if he could whack off in front of them, and if they said yes, he did. If they didn't, he didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it, like, weird? Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's a little weird, yeah. Yeah. But is it, like, raping someone? Should should no. it, should it have destroyed his career? No. no. That, yeah. that, that robs the world of that man's genius. He, he, he would have had so much. In fact, didn't he, he had shows that, he was, that got canceled, right? He had shows, so, yeah. his show, his own show. Oh, yeah, yeah, Louis. Louis, yeah. I mean, so the, 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 Me, the Me Too people uh, robbed the world of comedy for that, yeah. you know? He'll be back. I mean, he's already he does he still does shows and shit. You know what comedians I I, I really fucking like. Who's that? Is like Ron White and oh, like yeah. uh, all them blue collar comedy dudes. Yeah. Oh man, that's probably the best comedy special I've ever seen. <laughs> like Larry. Well, Larry's part not so much, but the other four guys. You know. Okay. I, I forget their no, names. So, no. So so Ron is definitely my favorite of the bunch. Ron, Ron White. Bill Ingvall. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Foxworthy. Foxworthy is funny as shit. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that either. It is funny, but, you know, 
What was that? It's a alert. That whatever. was one comedy special that I don't think I stopped laughing. Like I had to stop it to breathe. Those dudes are funny, man. Point. Yeah, that's it for was sure. Fucking good. Yeah, uh, Ron White. Yeah, you're particularly Ron White is great. I was kind of bummed when I found out that Ron White doesn't write all his own jokes. He like hires writers. Oh. Yeah, but who gives a fuck? I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah, he said it on Rogan, so it's like not even a secret. Maybe that's maybe that's good though. Maybe that gets money in the pockets of those up and coming, you know, comedians. Maybe you know that maybe that's that's good. You got to give him an opportunity. And he like wants to give his audience the best show possible, so it's like you know, make sure we have some good jokes. Yeah, and you know his delivery is half of it anyway, too. So oh yeah. Speaking of speaking of delivery, one of my favorite comedians ever. It, it, it be, uh, strictly because of delivery You know who I'm going to say? I don't know Mitch Hedberg Oh yeah, Hedberg Great delivery <laughs> Do you remember Mitch? Mitch had that corny dude That's like uh, Like real sl- Like talks kind of slowish And his jokes take, take a minute to get Yes and he's, Is that the same guy? Yep, he star- he's dead He's dead But he stares at his feet the whole time And he and you don't even know what he's Quite what he's up to And next thing you know You're laughing he, He's the guy who's like He's like a I think <laughs> he says, I think Pringle's original intention was to make tennis balls. And then, you know, and then you're not quite sure. And then he just gives you another one. He's like talking about, uh, he's talking about uh, going over to England and doing comedy. And he's like uh, talking about how they don't have Smokey the Bear. So his joke about Smokey the Bear wasn't landing. And he's like, I guess Smokey the Bear isn't their fire prevention representative. <laughs> there, Slappy the Frog. Slappy Somebody the frog. asked me if I would like a frozen banana. Yeah. And I said no. But then I said... I want, but well, I want a regular like banana, a later. banana later. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Hedberg's great. Yeah. Hedberg, yeah. And it's because it's because he does something that I hate, which is he makes me feel awkward. So I've talked about this before, right. but it's like watching. There's something about Mary. I can't. I can't. Or not. No. 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 It's not. There's something about Mary. It's the other one. Um, Meet the parents. I can't watch it. Oh, like, yeah. I, I can't watch I, I it because yeah. it's because I, I empathize. I feel that way and I don't like feeling that way. Yeah. And it's just over and over and over and over that. So the movie's unwatchable, but it's Mitch funny. and Mitch Hedberg does that. He's like, I'm going to tell this joke. That's kind of bad and kind of good. And if I just tell you one, you're going to think I'm terrible. I'm going to tell you a thousand in a row and they're all, they're all unrelated to each other. And I'm going to do it until you're cracking up. I'm going to do it past the point where you're like, what is this guy doing? And as soon as you start laughing, just because it's fucking awkward, then I, that's where I got you. Then I'm going to keep piling them on until you're, until you are. You know, I've never seen one of his specials. Dude, I, I don't know that I've seen except for clips online because when I first learned about Mitch Hedberg, it was like his CD had come out and I had, it, I had it in the car. I was listening to it on CD. Yeah, yeah. You know, his special was on CD, so. I still have that, by the way. I still have that CD. That's cool. Yeah. I'm trying to find a pen and I can't find one. Fuck it. I was going to ask you to give me a... I'll, te- I'll text it to you. Yeah, text me some Mitch Hedberg shit so I can look it up, watch it or listen to it or something. Uh, yeah, Hed- Hedberg is great. He's, he's dead. Uh, one of my favorite comedians and somebody... You know, a lot of times when celebrities die, people get bummed out and I think that that is just super gay, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but... Ever since this guy died, I've been watching a lot of his stuff, and it has made me kind of bummed that he's dead, and that's Norm MacDonald, man. Oh, yeah. Holy shit, Norm MacDonald is funny, especially if you put him in a situation with another person. Um, 
he, I just highly recommend you guys watch some Norm Macdonald. Okay, the guy's the best. He, he just, I would. Uh, I think I know who that is. Wasn't he in a couple goofy movies? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he, been in a Sandler movie. Yeah, and, he's he's one of Sandler's buddies. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He was on SNL. But I didn't know he was that funny as oh, a stand-up. Dude. I have to check him out. Yeah, he he's a great stand-up. But I'm telling you, he, where he shines kind of the best for me is at like late-night talk show panels and shit like that. He's so goddamn funny because people just don't know how to take him. Um, did, did he ever do roasts? The roast that they? Yeah, he did. Okay. He did the roast a couple of times, and he's like the type of person where they told him on the roast, like, go out there and just be mean. And he went out there and was like super nice. He was like, all of his <laughs> roasts were like, he's like, you don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> so that's you know that makes me like him too. But yeah, Norm Macdonald, that's my advertisement. Um, man, there was a story I wanted to tell, and it, it's a, slipped my mind. It, yeah. it, I think it might go back a topic or two. Uh, Mike Epps. That's another real funny stand. Mike Epps. Yep. Um, you know who else is hilarious? Um, but having gotten so big is not as funny anymore. Is um, uh, the little the little black dude, uh, super Kevin handsome, Hart. handsome guy, Kevin, Kevin Hart. Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. In, in the in the old days, Kevin Hart was uh, just amazing. You know that dude, Big J Okerson? Oh yeah. Uh, him and Kevin Hart came up together. They were like good friends. That's up. awesome. Isn't that weird? That's awesome. And Kevin Hart is this like giant celebrity. Now, I mean, you know, Jay is doing well for himself too, but not like Kevin Hart. You I know, mean. I want to say something about Kevin Hart in the context of Dave Chappelle while we're talking about Dave, while we're still kind of talking about it. You know how Kevin Hart has an appeal, a popular appeal. What I mean is white, black doesn't matter. He's got a popular appeal. People yeah. like Kevin Hart. That's yeah. what that's what Dave Chappelle does. Dave Chappelle has a popular appeal. You look at Dave Chappelle's audiences, and they're white and black. They're completely mixed. And I think that's the reason, part of the reason why someone like Dave Chappelle is getting shit right now. Because he, he's somebody that actually brings people together. And comedy is something in particular that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to point that out, that, that those two comedians, in my opinion, have popular appeal. And it's not like, you know, I know... Uh, Josh brought up Mike Epps, but and Mike Epps is awesome. But if you but if you watch a Mike Epps stand up, the audience is one hundred percent black. Yeah, and there, and there there's things about that like there's cultural barriers. Like Josh, you maybe you don't have these same cultural barriers, but if I try to watch uh, black stand up and I and I try from time to time, you know, if I go back and watch something like Bernie Mac from back in the day, right. I don't even understand some of the things he's saying. Like, like there's, fr- fra- fra- there's, there's phrases and there's slang and there's a, a way of speaking that the, like the black audience is cheering cause they get it. And I'm like what? crickets, crickets, what you know, this jargon, you know what I mean, Josh? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I understand it all though. I've, I've never seen any, any black comic that I didn't completely totally get everything he was trying to say. So my fiance listened to the last podcast, Josh. And she said yeah. that she thought that you were a black dude at first. And, and I, and, and I, that's not the first time I've heard that. And I, I told her, I told her, me too. <laughs> uh, all right. I got a change of topic if you guys want. We can go wherever right. you want. All right. So this is just something that I was listening to a podcast and this idea came to me and I was in a state of mind. I was in a state of mind where I was having all kinds of curious ideas. So, going to be some bi shit? You're listen, like thinking listen. about kissing dudes? <laughs> um, 
my, my pad of paper was downstairs where we are right now. I was upstairs and I, I just kept getting these awesome ideas. And I'm like, brilliant. If I don't write this down, I'm going to forget. So I went downstairs. I wrote down the note. No sooner did I get back upstairs, another fucking lightning bolt of brilliance struck me. And I'm going back down to the basement to write these notes. That's why I have, you know, a page and a half of notes. All this is all one idea. And I want to ask you about this. Or I don't know if I want to ask you about it, but I want to, like, explain to you. And you tell me, I want you guys to tell me what you think. I was listening to Jordan Peterson and no. Sam Harris 3. First of all, I don't know why Jordan Peterson keeps having new shit published and it's not on, it's not released on the podcast. Like, um, there's links and shit on social media, but they're not they're not coming up on his podcast. And I'm, I'm not a YouTube guy, so I'm like missing shit. And that's what happened with Sam Harris. I don't, Josh, are you, do you know who Sam Harris is at all? No, he's just a, he's he's a he's an atheist scientist guy, you know, intellectual type guy. Um, how would you describe him? He looks like Ben Stiller. He has a he has a super popular podcast, and he's very smart, and but he's very dry. And him and Jordan Peterson, who's you guys know how I feel about him, um, they started off kind of in a little bit of a duel publicly, and it turned it turned into what ended up being like nine hours of them having conversations, and it's super academic, and a, a lot of people would probably find it kind of boring. Um, I love it, yeah. I absolutely love it. So I, this just brings you up to me watching this on YouTube. Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson having a conversation for the third time. And Harris brings up tarot cards. You guys know what tarot cards are, Josh? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he brings up tarot cards. and he, cause, All right, so just for context, you guys know Jordan Peterson is an academic. Sam Harris is an academic. They're both very, 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 very smart guys. But Jordan has a little bit of this religious quality that he kind of is never clear about. He never says exactly what he thinks about it, but he's always toying around with religious ideas and giving them a lot of credit. Sam Harris is the typical a- academic, totally atheist, doesn't give any credit or, or value on anything religious whatsoever. It's all, it's all hokum. It's all, you know, a distraction. So that's the difference between these two guys is that Jordan has this secret, you know, this secret unclear, you know, spirituality and Sam Harris does not. So I'm just telling you that to, to cue up this conversation. So he brings up tarot cards and he, and Sam Harris is explaining it like, like somebody's, um, horoscope, you know, like you're reading a horoscope in a newspaper or something. It's like, you've got these images on the tarot cards and they're, um, evocative. So you can interpret them any way you want. And he's like, it doesn't matter what cards you flip. If you're artistic, if you're creative, you can tell a story and whoever it is sitting across from you is going to take meaning from it and apply it to their lives, just like a horoscope. It's like, you know, you're somebody who, you know, if you're dealing with frustrations right now, you should, you know, what you know how those fucking horoscopes, everybody's dealing with frustrations. It's like, that's how they, that's how they get by and get one over on you because they're telling you something that can apply to anybody. Um, you knowing that you're going to internalize it somehow, you're gonna you're gonna make it prophetic for the person who's pretending, and and it's all a show, and that's how Sam Harris is explaining tarot cards. Would you guys all agree, pretty much, that that's what's what's going on, or, or do either one of you have any? Uh, I mean, I'm following you. Do either one of you have any uh, feeling like that type of divination? There's any legitimacy to it? Do you think there's anything like that in the world? I feel like it's a working. Th- I feel like it's a working theory. I feel like yeah. You can, you can, if you're creative enough, you can make a tarot card, say whatever you want it to say. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, 
I, I don't know what I think about it, to be honest with you. Do you remember the story about that guy? I think it was in the 80s who he claimed to have ESP and he was going on all the talk shows and people were convinced. Does this ring a bell to anybody? Not really. I can't remember the guy's name. It reminds me of like remote viewing, like that men who stare at goats. Yeah. You know what, you know what well, that the, is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but, but, but you're going to get me way off track. I'm sorry. You better slow ahead. down. This guy, whose name I can't remember, if you, if you Google it, you can probably find out. Um, he was the guy that would bend spoons with his, oh, with his mind. And oh. he, would, he would do these experiments like on the Maury show or whatever. And p- people would have little cameras trying to catch him cheating. And he was doing this crazy shit. And nobody knew how he was doing it. He, Indian feller? Uh, he was a white dude, I'm pretty sure. Oh, a white dude, huh? Yeah. Anyway, the point is, if even if, like, I, like I bumped into a street magician when I was in Las Vegas. And was he, it David Blaine? No, no. Damn it. He did a trick for me, and it's just, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, 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 like that kind of magic. It's the same kind of thing. It's, it's a manipulating people's, you know, tendencies. It's manipulating the way that they're likely to think or the way, the way they're likely to look. It's whatever. It's all phony. This is the idea. It's just like a horoscope. It's completely phony. So I'm thinking about this from from my with my Jordan Peterson hat on, and this is I'm gonna just I'm gonna refer to my notes here for a second. So my my initial thought was this: tarot cards are bullshit. I don't think that they're real. I don't think you can read anything with cards. Um, but then I got to thinking, and this is this is how it goes: somebody had to create the images on those cards, and somebody had it was artistic. If you if you guys have seen tarot card images, they're really kind of cool. Um, you know, a lot of them go back to like the Middle Ages, and they're, they're kind of cool. They're artistic. They're a little bit like surreal. Um, you know, they're they're interesting. So somebody had to create them, and there's a, I don't know how many there are, but there's a lot, right? So somebody had to create a bunch of these interesting images, and then I'm like, okay, where did those image come? Where did those images come from? Somebody's doing art. Those images come from your imagination. They come from fantasy, let's say. So. Where does fantasy come from? So this is a Jordan Peterson question. Jordan Peterson will ask questions like this. If you're interested in something, or if you fantasize, or if you have a dream, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Do you feel like you have any control over it? Do you have control over the stuff that interests you? Do you have control over the things you dream? Does it seem like you have any power over it, or does it seem like that shit just pops in your head? Um, I think that I do have power over it on some level, to be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it is to some degree, like, I don't know, just kind of natural things pop up. It's like you're not, you know. Well, it's like this. I I bring up a topic, and you're either interested in it or you're not. Sure. you're You're the kid with ADD sitting in class, and everything's going in one ear and out the other. And then suddenly the teacher says something, and pops you back into reality and your attention goes back on them and you're like, what? Did you cause that? Did you have control over that? No. Exactly. Are you following me, Josh? Do you you agree with this so far? Mostly that was boobs. Okay. (laughs) So this is, this is just a mystery. It's like where, where your fantasies come from when, when the images that you dream, you know, pop in your head, where do they come from? There's, there's a mystery there. So here's the, here's how this goes. Somebody's creating art. That art comes from fantasy. Fantasy comes from our unconscious. It comes from our unconscious, something like that. What is the unconscious? I think it's God. I think it's that Terminator 2 substance I always talk about. It's that liquid metal, can be anything, potential, whatever that is. That's what God is. So these images, these artistic images, come from that place. Okay, so now now follow me here. I'm doing a tarot reading. I'm pulling out these 
images that came from God, that mm-hmm. came from the unconscious. It came from wherever art comes from, mm-hmm. this magical fucking place. I'm putting those, those cards down. Both the person reading it and the person interpreting it are involved in this mutual process of interpretation that is based on their own unique experiences and ideas and associations with those images. And the person who leaves thinks that they just got, they just got some kind of meaningful shit. And to them, it's actually meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, is it fake or is it, is it something like God speaking to us from our unconscious? That's a really interesting way of looking at it, Chris. So, and I'm the first person, when you say tarot cards, I'm like, phooey. That's sure. what I wrote down. What does this say, Kyle? First word. Fooey. That's phooey. not how I would spell it. Me, uh, you know, I'm not a great speller, but phooey. <laughs> so my, my first impulse is tarot cards are bullshit. Divination is bullshit. People that, like, read bones or read entrails or tell the, fu- tell the future with tea leaves, it's all bullshit. But it's us recognizing patterns and those patterns that we're recognizing are coming from our unconscious. And it, to me, I just wonder, how is that different than saying that God is speaking to us through ourselves somehow? That's a good question. I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're always going interpret, to interpret God correctly, but, you know, I just, anyway, the idea popped in my head and I was just like, it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I wondered what you guys think. I think... Um... You know, as a more atheistic person when I was younger, I was like, how can God be talking to you? How do you know these things that he's telling you are correct, you know? Um, but now I just don't really, I don't know. I it's I, I think about it differently. It's not about like, if it's not, I just don't feel like it's God talking to people directly. I mean, if it is, well, I, I don't know. That's kind of weird. So, you, you know might what? want to so, get that checked out. So let me, let me just... I know I hate to interrupt you, but I'm going to because I'm selfish. So what you just said was, say it again. Do you remember? No, not particularly. Oh, damn, I'm going to lose my thread here. Uh, You said uh, that God doesn't speak to you directly. Yeah. Right? Um, When I was describing an interest, like like an idea popping in your head or something grabbing your attention, you and I would just think normally, like, that's just the way it is. That's just how it happens. What I'm suggesting to you is maybe that's God talking to you. Oh, okay. And this is, this is the way Jordan Peterson describes when he's talking about Harry Potter and the way he does. He's like, oh, J.K. Rowling did this amazing thing when she, when she, talked, when she invented this game where there's this golden snitch, this thing that flashes and flickers and it's hard to catch. It, it's the thing that glitters, that's gold, that draws you. And if you catch it, the game is over. And, he, and he's describing that game symbolically like that's... that's what your life is like that's what that's what reality is like and uh the thing that interests you is the thing that catches your eye you know the snitch that catches harry potter's eye and he goes zooming off to catch it that's how interest it that's what it's like it's like what interests you it's like it's like it emerges from you somehow and slaps you in the face it's a weird feeling and you people don't ever stop to think because it happens all it's happened to us a, a million times in our life from the time we were children till till the, the this present moment nobody ever thinks isn't it weird how ideas and interests just happen isn't that fucking weird it doesn't seem to be in my control or connected to me whatsoever like nobody ever asks what the fuck is going on because if you do the moment you ask that question then we start we start talking about religion there's no way around it 
and nobody wants to fucking there's do that. No way around, there's no way around relating it to a divinity. And it, what it brings to my mind is all the composers and artists and, and, and all these inventors throughout history that credit their inventions or their music or their thing mm. to a dream or to a divinity that came to him in a dream. You know what I'm talking about, Chris? Yes, absolutely. That, that's interesting. Okay, so, so, you know, relate that to back to what you were saying with the person that did done the art on the tarot card. Does that art speak to you? Oh, oh you know, in a certain way that could maybe be divine. I don't know. That's what it, 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 I, you got me in the loop here. I don't know now. But that's the interesting thing about art is that it's like everybody who it doesn't matter what kind of art we're talking about. If we're talking about a painting or a song or whatever, uh, that's going to strike you differently every time you experience it. And it's going to mean something differently to everybody who experiences it. Not even not not just that, but it'll mean something different to you each time you experience it. It's a matter of interpretation. So it's so it, this is what it makes me think of. If God is like I keep saying, this infinite potentiality, this Terminator Two liquid metal substance that could be anything, whatever is behind our subjective experience, whatever the objective reality is, that's what it is. It's ones and zeros. It's whatever. That's what it is. It can become anything. Um, I, I get going on that explanation, and then I always, I always lose my, th- lose my thread. Um, uh, oh, interpretation. So it's like that's what you have with music. You have an, you have an infinite range of tones and pitch and combinations of, of combinations. You have a, an infinite potential with music, and an artist is somebody who interprets it in a particular way. You interpret this chaos. Could be anything. And you make it something particular. You make it something specific. And anybody who ever, anybody who hears that song now is going to have their own experience of that. Different from the person who wrote the song. It's speaking to the person who wrote the song and the person who hears it in completely different ways. It means something specific to the individual. Because it means everything. So that's how I understand God. If I'm saying God is the... Uh, can be anything potential substance substance that's what I mean I mean it, it it means everything all at once and something about interpreting it whether it's whether it's music whether it's art whether it's language uh, something about interpreting it is what makes it what it is so so basically you're saying that the, at the same time the tarot card is bullshit and God exactly that's exactly what I'm saying and I think that's the case with everything Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I, I, I feel good deal, you son. What? I feel you. I'm hip. I'm, uh, uh, I'm following you. So there's a there's a thing I've tried to do this myself. I've talked about it on the podcast, but there's a thing like this this interpret interpretation and in, uh, that I'm talking about that Carl Jung, the the great psychoanalyst, that guy that was the student of Freud, uh, that he did. He calls it active imagination, and what he describes is having like a daydream. And doing and practicing it so he can close his eyes, he can let images kind of come to his mind, and he gets better at that. He gets even better at that. Over time, he gets even better at that. More images are coming to him, and then he starts to realize that he can kind of play with it. He can like, you know, it's like, it's not just that images pop up, it's like he can kind of make the images pop up. Or if they pop up, he can change them and move them around and create a story out of it. And so what Carl Jung ended up doing was, he called it active imagination. 
you can imagine children do this. This is like playing with your imagination and, and your unconscious, letting whatever images come to you, come to you. And it's the same situation as the dreams. Like, where do those images come from? You just sit there and try to clear your mind, like meditate. Images are going to pop in your head. Some of them are going to make sense. Like, you know, I'm horny or I'm hungry. Some of them are not going to make sense. It's like, you know, what, what, what was that? Why did I just see a, tri- a triangle, a black triangle? Why did that just pop in my head? Like, I have no idea. But you can interpret those things the same way as you can anything. And uh, Carl Jung did that and wrote a book about it. And I've never read it because Jordan Peterson kind of scared me away from it. He's like, it's the deepest thing you can imagine. It's like his experiment with his with the unconscious. The same thing people do when they do psychedelic drugs and come back and say, I'm trying to like write down this experience so I can remember it. That's what Carl Jung was doing with himself. He was just closing his eyes and going into imaginary land and spending hours a day playing out mythical stories in his mind that, you know, that he was participating in. And then he wrote a book called Aeon. That's just him talking about it. And Jordan, and people say, if you read it, like 99% of the people who read it can make no sense of it. Like it's, well, uh, it's, it's it, you never hear about it because nobody fucking understands it. Huh. It's interesting, man. That is weird. I didn't, I didn't know about that. I've heard of that book, but I didn't know that that's, that was the subject matter. Yep, you got it. All right, guys, I am, I'm, I gotta let you guys talk for a while. Go. Well, what's up? <laughs> um, I, I could think of a couple of recants from our last podcast that oh, I wanted to add. Yep, let's do it. We talked about sneakers for a while. Yep. Yep. But we only talked about Jordans. And I feel like that's doing a disservice to sneakerheads <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What what okay. what other shoe is worthy of that level of uh, remembrance? Well, it's, it's all about the man, really. It, it starts with the man that's deserving, not the shoe. The mm. shoe just represents the man. Mm. And these are shoes and men like Deion Sanders. Mm. Deion Sanders had Prime time. some of the dopest shoes ever, and he was – he was a lockdown corner. He was more, it was a fucking freak show athlete like I've never seen in my lifetime since. Um, there's, and he played two sports. There's one. There's one baseball and there's one person you could, you could throw in that mix. Bo Jackson. Yeah, that's that was where I was going next. <laughs> okay, all right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Dion, then you got Bo, and then you got Andre Agassi. Ooh. Okay. Now you didn't see that one coming. I did, did not. You? I did not. All right. Now. Tennis never has been my thing, but I've watched Andre Agassi play tennis. And in his prime, he was a monster. And he came out with a shoe that was pretty, pretty, I don't want to say sick, but they were up there. And because of the impression he made on me, just through his name and watching him play, made, you know, so you got the Deion Sanders shoes. They were called the Diamond Turfs. Because the diamond and the turf, he played baseball and football, uh, and then you had the Bo, then you had the Bo Jack. Bo Jackson also played baseball and football. Yes, he did. And Bo Jackson was a freak show, dude. The only I mean, the, dude. listen. The only reason I know that shame on me is because my wife is a is a way bigger sports fan than me. And when that thirty for thirty came out on Bo Jackson, she was like, "You haven't seen it." She's like, "You have to go watch it right now," and it blew my mind. Go ahead, sorry. Did you see him run up the right field wall? Oh my god! Tell me that wasn't an alien. 
Can you? She was not a human being. No, no, no. I don't even think Deion Sanders is in the same category as Bo Jackson. I think Bo Jackson is. Oh, he is. He he definitely is. Well, uh, well, well. There's two different things. Bo Jackson was a Bo Jackson. He had a lot of wiggle, but he was also a sledgehammer. Oh, exactly. Uh, Right. Deion Sanders wasn't as much of a sledgehammer. Yeah, but he had way more speed and way more wiggle. Deion Sanders would go to quarterback. He would be. 25 yards off the receiver. So when the quarterback sees that, he's like, oh, nobody, he's wide open. And by the time the quarterback pulls his arm up, Deion's already closed 20 yards. By the time the ball gets there, Deion's got it and he's on the other way. <laughs> he would go to, he, he'd go to some of the greatest quarterbacks, Joe Montana, Dan Marino, John Elway. They all, they all said, they all said, Deion Sanders is the only true lockdown corner that's ever lived. Mm. If you were a quarterback, you did not throw his way. Wow! If, if you were smart, you didn't throw it further than ten yards because he could he'd intercept on either side of the field. He played the whole field like a safety. He was that fast. He could close on the ball so fast that by the and he would read the quarterback's helmet. If, if he knew where the ball was going, it's gone. It's his. He has more <clears throat> interceptions returned for touchdowns than like most receivers. Uh, and he played defense. Jesus. He's got more fucking re- receiving touchdowns, I guess you would call them, an interception. It's kind of like a reception. You you could, you know, than most receivers. I, I mean, this dude was. I don't remember Dion having a shoe. I just, I don't remember Dion's shoe. I don't either. I'm looking it up, though. What's it called again? Diamond. Oh, dude, it's sick. Diamond it's got turf. a big strap across the top. It's got a strap on the top with a Nike check, like a Velcro strap. Did Bo it's Jackson like have a shoe? Bo Jackson did have a shoe. Bo Jackson had two shoes. Um, okay. So the first ones were I liked better than the second ones. Uh, he played football for the Raiders and he played baseball for the Orioles. <sighs> so the two colorways you got were white and orange for baseball, and then the all black and gray for the, like Raiders. So I'm, I'm looking but, at uh, I'm looking at the diamond turfs right now. You can buy them, sick, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the, the, di- white the ones. diamond the white, turf are you two. At the white ones or the, the black ones? They're white and red, and they're three hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> That's a bargain, bro. That's a bargain. Jesus. <laughs> if they're, if they're the, are they the ones I'm talking about with the big strap across the big, top? Big strap with the Nike check? Yeah. Yep. Dude, I'll, if I had that much money, dude, I would so buy them. I'm fucking. What did that Andre Agassi shoe happen. look like? Uh, it's a it's a it's it's like a cross trainer. It's a, it's a pure tennis sneaker. Okay. It's a high top. I mean, if you can look it up, I, it's a uh, I'll find it. Plain. It's white and neon green. It's good. Uh, those were the colors Nin- he wore. Nineteen eighty nine. There they are. Yeah. That's a good yeah. looking shoe. <laughs> yeah, they, they're not as uh, expensive. You can get them at Dick's for one hundred and sixty bucks. Not the retros. You can't get the retro Agassiz at Dick's, can you? Oh, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just. They look pretty retro. I'm just reading the internet. Uh, oh, oh, I, these might be different. Let's see. Doing some sneaker um, research, and then there was there was also sneakers that kind of flashed, that uh, were from players that flashed and kind of went away fast, but still stuck in my mind. And, and, and lots of sneakerheads still love, like the Bruce Smiths. The Bruce Smiths were sick, or um, what's another one? Uh, but see, a lot of big time players had shoes that sucked. What like was... you ever heard of the Emmett Smiths? <laughs> no, you haven't. No, They're fucking whack. What, what yeah, sport they, was Bruce Smith? Football, football, football. 
I, I think I do. Um, I think I do remember Emmett Smith having shoes. I do too, well, but I don't remember what they look. I mean, they, I, you know, so nah, what, they were a shit show. They were like Reebok or something. They were. <laughs> yeah, they well, that, that is actually my next question. Did any of these guys have have shoes like that that weren't Nikes? I mean, if, if they did, they weren't paid any attention to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Nike's like the pinnacle. You know, I mean, if like that's why you know all these players are fucking themselves signing with these other brands like uh just a couple years ago uh the toronto raptors run won the title in basketball and their star player was Kawhi leonard and he was looking at this huge contact extension because he was the reason they won the championship and he was also a free agent so his contract was up so he was getting ready to get all this money and uh he went to the los angeles clippers and he signed a shoe deal with New Balance. Yeah. yeah, bro. Sunk his whole life. I mean, he's never recovered. Not only did the shoe bomb, his career bombed, his popularity dropped off. I mean, I mean, most people don't even know who he is anymore. And, they, and he just won a championship the year before last. That's crazy. Yeah, but how much was that New Balance check, I wonder? Oh, hundreds of millions, I'd yeah. imagine. That's, I think that's worth it. I think that's I think that's worth it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sell right out immediately. Give me a new oh, yeah. deal. Sure, dude. For sure. <laughs> that's fine. <clears throat> that kind of money, oh, yeah, I would endorse anything. Oh, shit. Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt you. You know how I said there was, there was a story I wanted to tell and then I couldn't remember it? It, yeah. just, it just popped back in my head. Where did that come from? I think the Lord Jesus Christ said, this is the time for the story, Chris. And that's why I remembered it just now. All right, here we go. We were talking about rap earlier. Sorry to change subjects, but I wanted to bring up, because Josh didn't bring it up, which surprises me, is that his, what I, my perception was always that Josh's biggest influence or his favorite rapper growing up was, was Notorious B.I.G. Big. And, uh, and when I was growing up, when, you know, because Josh is a little older than me, West Coast rap was getting much bigger. So, you know, it was like Dr. Dre and Eminem at the time and Snoop and all that happening. So, and, and you know what? Even earlier than that, it was Tupac. Yep. It was Tupac. So anyway, um, I actually always had an appreciation. Tupac's from New York, first of all. Yep. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Okay, yeah. But I just wanted to bring up Biggie for a second because, um, because you didn't and it's important. So I, I have an appreciation for Biggie because my brother always listened to Biggie. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know that I would have ever listened to it because I would have been listening to what all my other friends were listening to, which was, which was well, at the time it was Tupac. It was, other, it was, it was not Biggie, right? Yeah. So um, I appreciate that. The story I want to tell has to do with that. And I may have told it before, but when I first met my wife, like we we had just started dating and we hadn't dated long, we decided to go out drinking to a VFW hall uh, because her family knew the people that run it and we could we could just drink there for really really cheap basically. We got very very drunk. It was karaoke night at the VFW hall, and I don't remember much about it. I mo- mostly remember the story, so that's what I'm going to tell you. Um, the DJ, I'm sitting in a corner minding my business. The DJ says my name. I come walking up to the DJ booth, hands me the microphone, and she's like, well, you know, somebody put your name in, you're next. <laughs> and I'm looking around. My wife is somewhere laughing. She's somewhere, somewhere pointing at me laughing, I'm sure. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm very drunk, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Juicy. All of a sudden, y'all, let me tell the story. All of a sudden, Juicy comes on. And my eyes get as big as saucers. Right. And I just did not 
miss a beat. Oh, yeah. It was all a dream. I'm going off. Now, <laughs> now here, here's, what you have to, here's what you have to know. This is a neighborhood in Cleveland, a rough, rougher-ish neighborhood that used to be a Slovak neighborhood. So it's this Slovak VFW bar and a place that's not really a great part of town, but it's like where all the white people are basically in this area. And they're all silverbacks. They're all 65 plus in this VFW bar. It's like, you know, Vietnam vets, that, that kind of VFW bar. There is nobody even close to my age in this VFW bar. They're all white. They're all white. There's nobody happy to hear rap on. Yeah. Except, except for me <laughs> and one dude in the corner he was like he, Josh he was probably your age maybe a little older and he and he, so he was the only other guy that was even vaguely young and he's pointing at me and he's nodding his head with a smile on his face <laughs> as I rap every single word oh, yeah. as loud as I can enthusiastically <clears throat> and it was the best it was the best it's one of those it's one of those Stories that I like to tell because it's one of it's, it's a, Did you have the feel? That's like the feeling of me going down the half pipe for the first time. Yes, I dude, I totally, I totally let loose. I didn't give a shit, you know, because it's not the city I'm from. I don't know any of those people, and I was just drunk enough to just to just go off, man. And that and, and, and th- listen, there are delicate moments of that song. Oh yeah, there there are delicate moments yeah. of that song oh, yeah. that. And if you don't know, now you know. And I knew, and I said it as loud as every other word I was singing. I did not care. I, I love that song, and everyone knew it that night. Oh, yeah, dude. See, and, you know, lots of kids, you know, Big's definitely in my top five. I'm, I don't know why I didn't hit that, but I thought it was a foregone conclusion. Uh, <laughs> but but it's funny, kids nowadays, you know, you, like I was working at Copart with uh, some younger guys. And like, oh, we all fuck with Big, you know, that old school shit, blah, 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 blah. He'd be saying shit, man, I don't know what he means. Huh? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm, th- and I'm and I'm going through the lyrics in my head. And so I start, like, I'm walking around and I'm, I'm rapping. I'm rapping the juicy. I'm just, and I'm 20 feet away. I'm not, it's not like I'm performing. I'm just doing my job, but just kind of in this regular tone, just going through the lyrics. And they're like, see, what's that mean? And the, and the line was... I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo. Okay. <laughs> now, kids don't know nothing about cassette tapes. Ah. Uh, Remember when you let your tape play and then when it stopped, it popped? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, now, those kids didn't know. They thought it was fucking a different language. They're like, what the fuck is that mean? <laughs> so I have to explain it to these kids. Like, this is what it means, right? Well, after the conversation... We have like six new notorious CIG fans. <laughs> nice. That's so funny that you have to interpret the culture for them because that's that's how you know that you're the past, man. Because they don't even they don't even understand the world that you that you know. What the hell is a Kuji sweater? Uh, it's a name brand. <laughs> I know. I'm just fucking around. It's a Cosby sweater. That's funny, man. Uh, yeah, they look like Cosby. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It's weird. Get, it's weird getting old, man. It's, yeah. weird, it's weird because you you just described this um, this sort of like sage like you know moment that you got to be the they got to be the wise old the wise old man that got to school the young kids and, te- and te- teach them something you know that they would have missed. That's an interesting. It's an interesting. It's a privilege. We had this conversation once already. It's a privilege to be able to do that. It's a good feeling. You know, puff daddy. Let my tape rock till my tape pop. <laughs> 
Yeah. Puff Daddy had that uh, Puffy P Diddy, whatever the fuck you're supposed to call him. He had that. It was like a rap reality show where they were trying to find a new rap star. Oh God! And uh, on the first episode of one of the seasons, all of the people, he was like, "You have to know all of the words to Juicy right now." Uh, or you can't be on the show. Nice. And it's like, some of them didn't. Like, that's amazing. It's like, you could have been on Juicy. I could have been on Juicy. Or, I mean, I could have been on uh, on that rap show anyways. I know I know most of the words to that entire album, to be honest with you. That's a, you yeah, know, the entire album, me too, yeah. That song, Warning, do you know which one uh, I'm talking about? I'd have to hear it. Yeah, oh, man, that song. I love that song. Uh, that I, entire album is great. I'm gonna, have you ever heard Have you ever heard the song by uh, by uh, Punisher called Warning? Nope. Oh, shit, you need to check that shit out. All that's right. a good one too. I gave you fair warning. Beware, beware. Oh, that's just crazy. <laughs> I got hey, hey, I want I want to say something that I feel like if you know anything about rap might be an embarrassing thing to admit, but I don't know enough to, if I should be embarrassed. So I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. We talk. We're talking about Bone Thugs earlier. Mm-hmm. You, you remember the song? Neighborhood slang? No. No. That's what I mean. Nobody knows it because you probably skipped it. It was like a minute and a half long, and it starts like this. One, oh, I can't do it because it's got the N-word right away. <laughs> 187. 187. The, the, the chorus is... Um, <laughs> oh, man. oh, is it like, is it rhythmic? 187. It's rhythmic. Like it's, it's not like that, but it's rhythmic. It's basically, it's, it's, the song is basically sung and not rapped. Okay. And it's a short. It's like an interlude in the in the album. It's like a it's like a track that they stuck in just to just to. Oh, I know what you're talking about, and I do know about it. Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. So everyone's confused. Everyone listening is like, "What does he mean?" You have to look it up, guys. Neighborhood slang by uh, Bone, Bone Thugs. thugs. It's my. Not, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a track. It's like an intro thing. It's like it's only like 30, 25 seconds long. Right? Yeah, hold on. I'll tell you how long it is. In fact, uh, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it on the freaking yeah, podcast. Hold on. Hold on. Open uh, that Spotify. You got to play Warning by Big Punisher. Well, let's see if this will work first before I... Um... Well, he's looking this up, Josh. You said you don't listen to that much rap anymore. What What are you listening to these days? I listen to a lot of podcasts. As yeah. far as music goes, uh, as far as music goes, I'm... Um, you know, I stick to my classic hip hop stuff. Okay. I, I, you know, I like some of the newer, newer pop music. Like I like anything good. Like sure, if it's done well, I can listen to it. It's not going to be painful to me. If it, even if it's country or rock or you know anything. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's I just a sign, like good music. That's a sign of maturity. All right, hold on. Listen, <clears throat> uh, the phone is Bluetoothed, so if I play this song, there's a chance that we may disconnect, Josh. But I'll just call you right back. But let me see if I, this will work. This is an experiment. This is a neighborhood slang. Hold on. Neighborhood slang. Can you hear it, Josh? No. All right, hold on. It's getting started. Nope. Wanna just be use somebody's plus. cell phone. Just, just use somebody's cell phone and play it out on speaker and hold the phone up. Okay, so well, you oh, you couldn't hear yeah, it. Yeah, you you couldn't hear it playing just now. 
No, I okay. Couldn't. We we could everyone else could hear but you. That, that's all right. That's all right. This is an experiment. This is, we should never experiment with technology during the podcast. But listen, guys, <laughs> this is real. This is this is these are the these are the obstacles you have to deal with. So <clears throat> speaking of, listen, speaking listen, speaking the Punisher, that's a, that's another rapper that was super super good, top five for sure, and was great at rhyming fast like you like. Oh. When we, um, when we say Punisher, we're talking about big pun. That's what I was going to ask. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Oh, you know what, man? I'm, I'm writing down big pun because I'm going to check that out more. But I want to ask you: when we were talking about rap earlier and how it's how hip hop is infiltrated, it's because it's so popular now. It's infiltrated everything. Um, I wanted to bring up something. I want to ask you, Josh, if you think this is connected. So you know who Travis Barker is. Yes. All right. Travis Barker is an incredible drummer, but he's also a person. Yeah. He's also a person that's been heavily influenced by hip hop in his life, and he's yeah. probably he's probably your age, maybe a little older, so maybe the exact same kind of thing. And he's awesome. He's an awesome drummer. He plays mostly in rock bands, but he's not like other drummers. He's a different thing. And when you, and you know it if you ever hear a song with Travis drumming, you know it. It's it it's, takes the song to another level. Travis is an amazing Tra- drummer. Travis Barker is more of a producer that plays the drums. So do do you think do you think that that style of drum playing that sets him apart from you know because I don't know shit I don't know enough it but it does when I hear songs where he's the drummer rock songs it sounds different Blink sounds way different without Travis uh, you know try listening to Angels and Airwaves you know what I mean um, I guess the question is is that an example of hip hop infiltrating is it an early example of hip hop infiltrating rock and roll would you just have I'm a infiltrating is the wrong word you the word you're looking for is influence <laughs> yeah you're right you're right you know what i mean i don't, I, don't, I mean no disrespect whatsoever yeah i feel like Travis Barker definitely got a heavy hip hop influence and he 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 was a hip hop influence in blink's music and Blink-182 isn't the same without Travis Barker. I mean, I don't even think they're good without Travis Barker, to be honest. (laughs) Well, that's where we differ. But yeah, absolutely, for sure. When did they ever play without Travis? Well, it's it's not them that play without Travis. Oh, oh, Um, it's their other... I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, Yeah, I like Angels and Airways. Not not that much, but... Well, that's that's something that probably goes right over Josh's head. But the guys from Blink have been other bands over the years, yeah. and uh, that includes includes Plus Forty Four and Angels and Airwaves. But even Blink now, uh, they have a whole different uh, not a whole different cast, but they have a different cast. They have, have another, another. So the point is, and then that's not to mention uh, Boxcar Racer, and you know, shout out shout out to Matthew Boxcar Racer. Uh, they've been to lots of bands. Some of them had Travis in it. Some of them didn't. I agree with Josh that. Travis is like a drummer who is also a producer and that, that he's got like a style. Um, like, I, have you heard the the hip hop remixes he does? Like he'll yeah, play, dr- some of the, yeah, he'll he play drums. Play drum to like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty yeah, sweet. That sounds awesome. I gotta yeah. check it out. I don't, I mean, I, again, I'm not, it's like I was talking about Dave Chappelle. I'm not like shit talking Travis Barker. I, I just don't think that he's, a particularly like Ooh, fuck off Kyle. I didn't mean to interrupt no no it's I'm fine sorry. I mean I just like he's good don't get me wrong but I just think that there are much better drummers out there like Travis Barker's good I'm not talking shit but I think that there are way better drummers than Travis Barker okay just, check this out guys if there's anything you guys do for me what's that? in your whole life you have to check this out and you're gonna have to do research because I don't know what it's called All right. okay but 
listen, they took the Lincoln Park album, the oh. one that had all the hits on it. It might have been the first one or maybe the second one. I don't know. But they took that album and they took Jay-Z's Black oh, album yeah. and they took all his lyrics from all his songs in order, in a row, and put them over the music from Lincoln Park in order, in a row. It's sick as hell. And it is mind-blowingly awesome, bro. Have you heard it? Oh, yeah. It was big. Like, when it came out, it was big. Uh, Yeah, definitely. It's on Spotify. Um, I'm not... I can't remember. Um, Man, I cannot remember what it was called. I mean, 99 times over that I Try So Hard beat. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. I try so... Lincoln Park was so good, man. I forgot all about that. God damn it. Now Chester Bennington is dead. The dude fucking hung himself. Uh, Supposedly, that's what they say. I think I think Courtney Love might have something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, funny guy. <laughs> I'm trying to find this album right now because it is good. Hey, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it called because I want to fucking listen to it again. I had it on the old ass iPod that I broke a long time ago. I got it from Jeff from Goog's brother, and. Uh, on a thumb drive back in the day and just thought it was the coolest shit I ever heard my whole life and I lost it. I only got to listen to it for like a month. Well, Kyle says it's on Spotify, but I'm sure you can find it on, on YouTube. Oh, yeah, for sure. But you'd have to know the title, right? Yeah, I I'm mean, to find it right I think now. if you just if you just Google Linkin Park Jay-Z Black Album, that's all you have to do. Mm, we're probably right. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a genius, but it occurs to me. Now, nah, but Chris, you gotta listen to it if you haven't. Kyle's already good, heard man. it. It's Collision so good, Course. Man. It's called it's Collision Course. You hear that? Collision Course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dirt. Got to, Chris. They do Big Pimpin' and Paper Cut. The song Paper Cut by mm-hmm. Encore and Numb. It's good. Got it's a good fucking. Deal. They did it live, too. When they released oh. it, they did a concert with Jay Z and Linkin Park. Oh, it was man. Sweet. I bet that was sweet. Yeah. And they even leave they even leave the Lincoln Park hooks in too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jay Z will do his verse and then then the singer dude from Lincoln Park will start screaming. That's like, awesome. Dude, this is awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I gotta check I'm gonna check I'll check it out right away. Um Right the fuck away. So that's actually something I miss the out of everything that's happened with COVID is being able to go see live music, man. I, I miss, I don't like to go to big concerts, but yeah. just go to a small show with like 150 people or, or something like that. That I miss that, man. Yeah. I'm worried that we won't get to anymore, but we'll see what happens. There's a band that comes to here, uh, every year, um, in October and me and my wife go for our anniversary and he, he didn't come this year. What band? The early November. Oh, yep. And he so he's doing shows in Jersey where they live, but he didn't didn't come this year. Sucks. Yeah, it sucks, man. What else we got, you guys? It's been two yeah. almost. It's been over two hours. We still got to get that that political compass test done. I, w- I want to do that, but I think we're running a little long for that at this point. Joshua, we're gonna have to have you on again. We're, we're gonna have you on again. <laughs> anytime, bro, anytime. I could be the third tongue, bro. Anytime you need. <laughs> All right, all right. You're the you're the uh, you're the third tongue. Kyle's got one of those political compass tests. He was we were started talk, talking about the first time where he figured I'm we. Gonna, could, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the compass, dude. I'm telling <laughs> you, I can't be categorized. That's very postmodern of you to say. You can't be categorized like that Terminator Two substance that uh, was behind reality that just can become anything like pure. You know, you know what I mean, guys. This is what I do. I was just <laughs> listening to that postmodern episode you guys did right before you called. Oh yeah, we did three of them. Uh, you definitely should start with the Foucault episode. It's uh, it's called. Um, 
But see, I don't know none of these people are, man. Like, they're just, you know, they're just like, old smart Giordano people. Bruno and shit. Like, that's where my knowledge starts. I don't, anything before that, it's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. They're old ass nerds. I mean, that's really all, all there is to it. They're a bunch of fucking bookworms and, uh, but they're smart. So, well, let me oh, know. Yeah. Let me know if you listen to it, what you think. Foucault is the most interesting one, I think. I mean, He's got the most interesting stuff to say, I think. I think so. I think he's the easiest to understand. Yeah. But I think that means because he, he's the simplest, actually. But uh, that's my, my opinion. So are we going to get, the, are we gonna get the, 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 the part two of the Israeli-Palestine conflict from oh, Kyle? Yeah. I'll, I'll start looking into it. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, Kyle used to do the Will to Power Hour, which was just him, and yeah. they were awesome. And he stopped doing them because he's got busy. It's just it's more hard to like record, you know? It's like i got to come over here. Yeah. Um, so I got to figure something out. I got to figure out a good recording situation. That was a problem when I went on that other dude's podcast. You know, it almost prevented me from doing yeah. it. Yeah. So. All right, you guys. Well, Josh, we're definitely going to have you back on. Uh, I just don't know when, and I'll let you know. And we'll do the politi- collision course. We're gonna do. We're gonna find a way to listen to collision course. And uh, I think. Yeah, I, listen, yeah. I think I can do it if I use your phone and I plug it into the uh, to the um, auxiliary. Yeah. Then, then he'll be able to hear it because it's a whole other microphone. Oh. So that, that's what we're going to do next time. We'll be able to play whatever we want to play. Next time. All right, Josh, hang in there. I'm going to play the outro music. Hang in there with us. All right. Hang well, in there, brother. There you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode and cut